So I, I knew the, the, the format, or at least I thought I knew the format, because most of them were obviously set with period costumes and, and periods. So when this came about, um, <clears throat> and I read the script, I thought, well, this is different. You know, this is so different. They're bringing it right up to date. Don't know how it's going to work. But I actually think they did. I think they did a really good job, but it wasn't at the time very well received. People didn't um, didn't kind of, you know, get get the idea of it, bringing it back. And I'm not sure. I think Christopher, Christopher Lee had some reservations, I believe, at the time. <clears throat> I think he did about the bringing it back but I think when he talked to Peter and Peter was all in with it he he wanted to do it and and then they kind of collaborated and and I think he thought yeah okay we'll give it a go it's different you know something different Hello and welcome to Spill Your Guts. I'm your host, Kevin Lane. One of the most iconic production companies in the history of horror. Hammer's productions and various sequels and spin-offs of Dracula, Frankenstein, The Wolfman, and The Mummy are not just beloved by generations of genre fans, but have endured just as the Universal Studios monster films and have become a lauded part of cinema history. And Hammer didn't just do classic monsters. Some of their original films, such as The Devil Rides Out and Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter, showed that Hammer wasn't afraid to step outside their formula. Hammer also provided career-making roles for several of the genre's most beloved stars, with Christopher Lee's towering take on Dracula and Peter Cushing's often scene-stealing performances as Dr. Frankenstein and Van Helsing. The studio also had its share of dynamic leading ladies, with legends such as Ingrid Pitt, Stephanie Beecham, and Barbara Shelley. And that's barely scratching the surface. Our guest in this episode is one of Hammer's greatest leading ladies and a Bond girl, and a screen queen. Today we are joined by the radiant and brilliant Carolyn Monroe. Carolyn was one of the few actors to be signed to contract by Hammer, something that wasn't really a practice for the studio, but they knew what they had with Carolyn. An actor whose beauty is matched by her chops, her presence, and her character. Carolyn is such a joy to be around. She's thoughtful and funny and generous. I absolutely adore her, so it was such an honor to get to sit down with her and get into her incredible career. Carolyn discusses her approach to the acting process, what she learned by working off screen legends such as Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, and Richard Widmark, the insecurity that is possessed by almost all actors, and stealing scenes at the Cannes Film Festival with the great Joe Spinell. Let's bear our fangs and get ready to dance on a Sunday with Carolyn Monroe. Hi, Carolyn. Hello, Kevin. How are you doing? I'm great. It's I'm got to tell you, I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's for for the listeners. Carolyn and I met back in October at a wonderful convention called Horrorama in Toronto, and we've been sort of trying to spend some set some time up to chat since we met, and uh, and here we are. I'm so excited. It's great. We've we've both made time. <laughs> So have you done podcasts before? I have. 
No, I have done podcasts. Um, not recently, but but funnily enough, I've done, you're my second today, which is very odd, two in a day, which is wonderful, actually. But we've very kindly got Jane's daughter and Jane's um, Jane's daughter's boyfriend helping us. So we're able to do it. So we're, we're yeah. on with you. So it's exciting. It's yeah, it's it's funny because, yeah, when I it, I started the show during the pandemic because I was bored of development on projects and just sitting in meetings all the time. I was like, I need to talk to people, creative people again. This is <laughs> yeah. driving me crazy. Um, Yeah. A lot of just looking at spreadsheets for a while there. Oh my um, gosh. So, but I, I always liked, I've always been a networky person. I like to get into a room with creative people and go around and meet people. And I like Mike always comments on that, that at a party, I don't stop. I'm just like circulating around. I'm just, well, it's interesting. I mean, people are, interesting aren't they and they've all got different stories and they all come from different yeah. parts and creative and in different ways so yeah it's 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 it, i think it that's what it's all about it's meeting people and and chatting chatting is the best thing we have isn't it really yeah that's what i like about doing conventions yeah me too have you do you do many conventions i do do quite a few i mean i've only done two in in toronto but but that was oh i tell you what chris does the most amazing job with the horror rama i highly recommend i don't know when he's doing his next one but i i recommend anybody that's listening to this to go along to go along and see it because it is yeah. go along and and partake it's yeah. just it's a very intimate um wonderful fan friendly but people friendly you know it's all about and he does it so calmly yeah. and effortlessly and he's got a a great crew that he works with so yeah no i'm i'm full of admiration for what he does and it was he made us feel so welcome we had a brilliant time well and he, he he's so knowledgeable about the work that that his guests have done i mean it's it, it's crazy i mean he did that panel that not panel but that Q&A with you when he showed, it was Dracula, right? Yes, yes, Dracula AD, yes. Yeah. No, he is, He's he really does his homework. Yeah. And it's like he has his own print of it and he knows everything about the movie. And like He knows more about it than I do. You know, I was astounded <laughs> by the questions he was answering, asking and, you know, and the things he said, do you remember? And I thought, actually, no, I don't remember. But so. <laughs> And then he, you know, tipped me off as to what it was. So, yeah, yeah he's, he's really uh, I'm mindful of uh, wonderful knowledge, film knowledge and yeah, oh, people yeah. knowledge. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. he's he, we've had him on the show a couple of times and he's he's uh, I loved uh, Chris is someone I can talk to for a very long time because we just geek out. We just and then in this one, Roddy McDowell did that and this one. So and so did that. And it, we just <laughs> That's so nice because you can shoot off on tangents, can't you? Which oh, is yeah. great. We're very tangential. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was that word? Tangent. I love that. Tangential. You yeah. just made that up, didn't you? <laughs> no, it's a real word. <laughs> it's a good word. <laughs> I swear. Yeah. Is it's, it? I've never it heard is. that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know Isn't if I'm it? using it correctly, I like but it, it is can a real I use word. It? <laughs> Go for it. Absolutely. I love it. That's a I good think I, word. I, I, we were you. talking about Roddy McDowell recently, and that's why that popped in my head. He was uh, an actor we both are very fond of. and uh, um, But we were talking yeah. about how wonderfully he played villains because he always, Roger Ebert famously quoted that McDowell had the good sense to play villains who smile. And I was like, McDowell always <laughs> played these sort of charming villains. Um, yes. 
Yes, he really did, actually. He did it with a smile, but you knew there was menace behind those eyes as well, didn't you? He just had the right balance, didn't he? Yeah, and I, I think in his real life, I think he was quite a sweet man, but he could play these sinister roles. Yeah. Um, they always are. The 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 the, the more menace there's like Christopher Lee, um, Peter Cushing and and obviously Vincent Price, you think, oh gosh, they're gonna be very dark and very but not at all. You know, they're I completely know. the opposite, really. The darker yeah. they play, the lighter they are. Yeah. Don't you find though it's funny that people who don't know what it is to work in in on genre projects might have an assumption that working on a horror movie would be as a, a, you know, a very serious, dour affair because people are going to get killed. And but actually, horror movies can be some of the most fun, lighthearted projects to work on because <laughs> horror directors tend to be very relaxed people. Yeah, you wouldn't think it though. No, no, they are. No, it it's it is true. You you just wouldn't you wouldn't imagine it when you when you go in. You think, oh wow, I've read the script and it's it's like Maniac when we shot Maniac in New York. I thought, oh my goodness, this is quite. Um, you know, a yeah. bit of a heavy script, but then when we got into it with Joe Spinell and um, and Bill Lustig, it was it was not. We had actually great fun making it, even though the subject matter was very very dark, intense. And yeah. Joe was extraordinary in making it. Yeah, it was very intense. But but you're yeah. right. It can be. They make it light. You know, it's light. Yeah, I I have a theory that that horror filmmakers are are very tend to be very like I've met John Carpenter and. I worked on a project with George Romero and all these kind of icons of the horror genre. Um, and they were all the loveliest people, the nicest people. And, uh, and I think it's because they get a lot of their darkness out in their work. So as people, they are, are just more relaxed yes. because they, there's that catharsis. I would absolutely it. agree. I think you're absolutely right. That's it. So, so what remains after the dark comes out is actually a very sweet person. Really. Yeah. 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 So I'm very curious. I want to talk a bit about your the beginnings of your career and, and sort of how you got started. And I was very curious what some of your early memories are of the first movies you saw that really captivated you. Not necessarily horror films, just any movies that you remember seeing at a young age where you thought, oh, As you know, a child. This is, yeah, this is really something special. It's funny. I do remember my mom who loved film. She was, she was a film, you know, she was a film goer. She used to go with her friend a lot, but I remember one of the first films. Um, I grew up in a place called Richmond, which is outside of London, a very pretty place. And I remember her taking me to a, a, a film in the afternoon and it was carve her name with pride. I don't know if you've ever seen that film, but it was black and white. I remember I was quite young and I'm sure I shouldn't have been there because it was about a woman who was a, a, a spy for the English in the war, during the war. Violetta Sabo, I think her name was. True story. It was about her. And it was actually incredibly um, harrowing, really. But she she came out. She, she, she died during the process. She was she was killed. But she um, came out as a total... Um, hero you know she she the violetta saw sabo and and there was um uh so i'm sure i shouldn't have seen it at that such a young age but it stuck <laughs> with me i remember it so well and and there was a wonderful poem that she wrote and it was the life that i have is all that i have and all that i have is yours and yours and yours and it goes on it's the most beautiful poem it's one of the best i can't do it justice but 
It was a beautiful poem. So it stuck with me. And I think I must have been about eight. So she took me to see that. She also took me to see The Viking when I was very young. You remember The Viking with, you're, you're so young to know these, but with Tony <laughs> Curtis and... Yes, I, of course. Yeah. Uh, and Kirk Douglas. So that, I remember seeing that, and that was full colour. And I remember, again, it was um, uh, quite a strong film for me to see, but they didn't seem to have any, and I was very young. And then the next one I saw was Attila the Hun, very unsuitable Attila the Hun. I was just going to say, that doesn't sound like a kid's movie at all, yeah. Very unsuitable. But my (laughs) best ones I remember was going to see, my poor father had to come and see it about six times, Davy Crockett, oh, okay. Davy Crockett and the Wild Frontier. And and I saw it was Fess Parker. I mean, I'm going back 100 years and I was about, mm, I was tiny, I was about seven. And in fact, my mum took me to see it the first time, but the next five times my dad took me. <laughs> and in the meantime, my mum got me a little Davy Crockett hat and it was a, a little fur thing with a plastic picture on the top of um baby crockett this is a brown great. fur thing and it had the tail down the back and i thought i was the bee's knees and they actually got me which isn't politically correct now a little gun to go with it so i had a little gun yeah so i thought i was davy crockett so that was so those were the That's early great. films i remember seeing and your mom was a big a big movie lover yes she loved films she loved and yes and my dad did too but my mom more so she was the one who took me to see these films, you know, maybe because she wanted to do and uh, to see them and therefore, and, and I seemed to be able to get in and I loved them. Bambi, she took me to see, but of course I cried at that. I remember crying at Bambi. So yeah, that was, you were more, you were more frightened by Bambi than Attila the Hun. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Attila the Hun. I think my eyes were on stalks. Attila the Hun and, and, and carve her name with pride. Yeah, very unsuitable. Now I look back on it, but, but I loved them. You know, I got yeah. the bug. I was bitten by the, by the film bug by then. Do you, do you attribute maybe your development of, of, of loving, a, you know, of, fulfilling a career as an actor and loving cinema then to your mom? Do you think she sort of got that started? I, I, no, film, yes, seeing film, but actually I had no thought of being an actress, actor, you know, at all. I didn't, I did, had no thought on that. I, I thought my very, I'm very dyslexic. So the thing I thought I was maybe possibly best at was art so that was the thing I concentrated more on at school because I it took me it was struggling I struggled at school very much with the reading and the maths and everything. Um, I remember um, my parents having a meeting with the main teacher and they said, "Oh, they said she's very shy and but she's a bit slow." And I remember that word "slow" and I thought, "Oh, geez. that's a terrible thing to say about me." Yes, it I is. mean, it was an awful thing to say because I knew I wasn't slow because I could Who remember. Who said that about I could you? at that time remember poetry. The the, the head teacher at oh, the time wow. that was in my primary school, but then when I went to I went to a convent later on, and that was equally as bad. You know, I just didn't get on with school. So I had no intention of, of doing anything. Um, I mean, I got, I think for my O-levels, I got French and um, art. Those, those were the two. And I thought that was the thing that I was going to do was going to be art, you know, something to do with art, maybe window dressing or something. 
but it had a different plan for me. I, I, the school closed down, the convent closed down, and then, um, and I was coming up for sixteen, so I was very young when I left school, and then um, I started at art school. I did Saturday mornings at art college in Brighton by the seaside, um, and then I got um, there was an art student friend at the at the at the um, college that I was studying and he he was taking photography and he said can I take a few pictures of you so I said yes that's okay so we did we went to a lovely manor house outside Brighton and we took some black and white everything was black and white pictures um and then he asked my mum could he send the pictures because he thought they were all right to an exhibition to a to a the there was a newspaper that was um, having a um, run by David Bailey, the photographer, the famous David Bailey, who was a yeah. huge fashion photographer in England at the time. And he was having a competition. So basically, through a series of events, the picture that he'd sent in and my face um, won the competition. So that was oh, very wow. bizarre. So that set me on my first journey into modelling. Okay. So I, I first kind of came about it through David Bailey. So, so nothing, you know, no thoughts of acting at all at that time. But then I found myself modeling, which I really embraced. Yeah. Was there any particular, I mean, so you've kind of found yourself in acting in a, in a roundabout way, but, but as a young Very girl. Very much. Yeah. Okay. So as, as a young girl, though, did you have any particular actors that you admired or looked up to? Or was that so far from your mind at that point? Because you didn't see yourself being an actor. I didn't see myself being an actor at all. But I did remember seeing um, Whistle Down the Wind with Hayley Mills, when the, again, black and white, and also The Girl with the Green Eyes with Rita Tushingham. Again, yeah. that goes back a long, long way. Again, black and white. And I thought she was, she became my favorite actress, Rita Tushingham. And she's still around today. Um, but she, I just. Is she really? Yes, she's still around. She does the shows. She does. She's oh, still wow. around. She's in her eighties, I think. But but she was. Yeah. I, I I found her extraordinary. So that. Yeah. So I remember that. Um, so no, my 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 journey just uh, took on a different a different way through the modelling. I got a little bit part through. Well, tiny. I mean, I was an extra in Casino Royale, the original. The I in um, with um, they had the five directors there. We I had Val Guest was my director, but you had Woody Allen and you had um, David Niven, Orson Welles, Ursula Andres, Dahlia Love. You had amazing, amazing people there on the set, and um, and I was a tiny little, tiny little person in a in a great big. <laughs> With many, many other ladies, you know, it was, it was, but that was my first foray onto a film set, which I I found um, fascinating, really. Sort of prophetic, too, because you went on to become a Bond girl. Oh, in the Bond. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's bizarre, isn't it, really? It's interesting, yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah, but- that's funny. Because it's such a, it must have felt for you like being on Casino Royale playing basically an extra, and then flash forward to you're on the set of, you know, Playing a, a a Bond girl with with Roger yeah. Moore was your Bond, right? If I'm if I'm remembering correctly, he was my Moore? Bond. Oh, yeah. what a lovely man too! I adore Roger Moore. I thought he was such a wonderful actor. Yeah, 
He was great, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He yeah. underestimated himself, I think. You know, he's very, very self-deprecating, but he was a, a, a just a sweet, wonderful human being and a really good actor. So professional, so giving with the crew and, you know, just extraordinary with the crew. He was wonderful. So I found him great to work with and funny. He was witty. He made the crew laugh. You know, he put everybody at ease. Yeah, he seems like he was a very funny, uh, very sharp man. I always got that impression about him. Very sharp. Super sharp, you know, it just kind of rolled off the tongue. No, not premeditated, not, 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 you know, predictable, just very unpredictable, but in a really good, positive way. He was a great actor and a yeah. sweet human being. And of course, he was a UNICEF ambassador. So he, he did a lot of, a lot, a lot of charity work, giving his time and energy, you know. So that was, yeah, I, I adored working with him. Felt very lucky no. to have worked with him. I'm curious what your first experiences were then in the horror genre. What were some of the first horror films that you remember seeing? That I remember seeing? Um, I suppose that would be on television. It would be on television and it would be, um, I suppose, some of the early Hammer films. If I think about it, uh, some of the early Hammer films. I remember, again, my mum watched once, you know, once we had the television and everything and I would come down and sort of watch them as people say, by the sofa, but I would be by the sofa, yeah, sort of looking out <laughs> yeah. and like this. Yeah, peering out and kind yeah. of like that, <laughs> thinking, oh, no, I can't watch it. But then fascinated by it too. So I'm trying to remember some of the films. I remember Psycho. I remember, I mean, that stays with me now. It's still one of my extraordinarily tingling, um, spine tingling films to watch. I think Psycho is extraordinary. And it was. That's a masterpiece. It really is. It is a masterpiece. It's a Hitchcock yeah. masterpiece. And you don't, the, the clever thing about that is not, it, it's what you don't see yeah. that, that's terrifying because it's all in our imagination, which is far greater than you can really ever see on film, I think. It's, it's everybody has a different imagination. So, yeah. Mm. It's interesting, you know, you think of um, Janet Lee's wonderful performance in that movie. And I remember the first time I saw the film, I thought that like most people that she was going to be sort of our hero. Yes. And then she gets killed in the, yes. In the early on in the film. And I was like, what's going on here? I, know. I didn't understand how they could kill the leading no, lady. No, I quite agree. I mean, it didn't <laughs> kind of make sense, did it? Cause then, you know, then you think, well, what do we got? What, you know, we, we want some nicety to have. Who's on. the hero of this picture? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. When did you see it? How old were you? Were you very young? Oh, probably uh, too young, I think. I think I was like 10. Ooh, that's quite young to see yeah. that, isn't it? It's the music as much as anything, isn't it? That, ooh, that music. Terrifying you can just, music. Yeah. yeah. And I was so affected by Perkins' performance. <gasps> yes. He was astounding, wasn't he? was wasn't so, oh, such a wonderful performance. Yeah. I mean, it was when they did that, the remake of it years later and, and, Vince Vaughn played the role. I was like, those. I would not want to step into those shoes. No, no, Um, that's a big ask, isn't it? Really, it's often the remakes just don't do it, do they? Because why, why do a remake when the original was so great? That's what I was just going to say. Is like, I I understand remaking a film that maybe didn't work but had a great concept. Yes, because to me, it's like, oh, you know, we can take something that had the potential, but for whatever reason, it didn't work out, and, and maybe do a better take on it. Yeah, but why remake a film that's pretty much flawless i don't see the point of that yeah no you're, you're absolutely yeah. right that's true isn't it yeah uh, it's a strange thing um 
Do, do you so was Cycle the first movie you remember seeing that really scared you? Like where you were like, oh my god. <laughs> like, yeah, I suppose I saw that, and I saw the birds do another one. You know, another one. I remember that oh, very, I love the very birds, well. Yeah. The birds. It was just it was just an extraordinary film, wasn't it? Um, you know what's great about the birds, Caroline? If you go back and watch the birds now, is the birds is so. Um, female centric all the best parts in the birds are roles for women and That's i can't true. remember the name of the actor wonderful actor but who plays the leading man in it he's just kind of there being hunky and macho but he hardly talks and he's tippy hedron has all the great scenes and it's it's very much a female centric film yeah i believe she had a bit of a tough time making it so i've heard but also i've read her and Hitch had some issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he, yeah, I think so. But but no, it was that's that's so true actually. So in fact, maybe he was ahead of them, ahead of the game there because yes, Janet Lee, you thought yes, she was go on, and but he did choose very strong oh, women, was, didn't he? He did, he did actually. All he blonde. did. I'm trying. I'm looking right now. What was the name? Rod Taylor was Rod the name Taylor, of that. Rod Taylor, of course. But Jessica Tandy. That's who I was thinking. Of. Jessica Tandy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Rod Taylor. He was Australian, I believe. Wasn't he Australian? Rod Taylor? That's right. Yeah. I think he was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good looking, yeah. hunky. Yeah. Yes, very. He 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 went on to he passed away in 2015, but mm. he went on to play uh he played Winston Churchill in a Tarantino film. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Which one? Which film? I didn't know that. Played Churchill. It was The Inglorious Bastards. Wow. No, Winston I didn't Churchill. know that. Gosh. That's a turn <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's somebody I'd be interested. Well, the bir- to work I mean, of course, the birds is run by women. Let- Do you remember the cast? It's Tippi Hedren, Jessica Tandy, Suzanne Plachet, and Veronica Cartwright. Those are all wonderful. All actors. women, fabulous actresses. Yes, is Suzanne Plachet yeah. st- is she around now or is she gone? She might be gone. I don't think she is. Let me. I no, check. feeling she might. Yeah, not she be. passed in two thousand and eight. Yeah. Yeah. I think he I think Hitchcock himself liked strong women in his life. I mean, it's I think that was what what he was drawn to. Yeah, um, I believe his wife was quite strong. I think she was quite strong. Oh, yeah. She'd have to be, wouldn't she? Really? <laughs> Helen Mirren played her in a, a film with Hopkins called Hitchcock and uh, Hopkins played played Hitchcock and Helen oh, Mirren I did played see his wife. That. And I was like, yes, it yeah. makes you wonder I like who was film. the boss. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I like her too. Yes. Yeah. No, I like yeah. her. She's wonderful. Oh, my goodness. What a She's a, she did, um, you know, the Ukrainian, they had a Ukrainian rally uh, in uh, in Trafalgar Square. Um, was it last weekend? I went along and she was there and she read a poem because her father or her grandfather, I think, was Russian descent. But she went there to support the Ukrainians and it was a, a fantastic rally and she'd read a beautiful poem. It was very, very moving. Very, very moving. It was beautiful. She's such a savvy lady. I'm such a fan of her. She is. She is. I'm very, yes. And she's, she's, um, she's so clever because she's, she's like a, a chameleon, isn't she? She can really, a bit like uh, Kate Blanchett, who to me again is a bit of a chameleon. You know, they can yeah. kind of transform. Them. Oh yeah. Did you see her new film? Um, Tar. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Is it oh, wonderful? It's so good. Yeah, yeah, no, I have yes, to see that. She's amazing. She's a conductor, isn't she? Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, no, I will see that. That's you? right. Yeah. 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 Real. I think it was based on a real person. Yeah. I, she doesn't play that the, the real person, but the story was loosely based. Todd Field, the director, did a movie with Tom Wilkinson called In the Bedroom. Have you ever seen that film? No, I haven't. I like Tom Wilkinson, too. He's very clever. 
is it it's called in the bedroom yeah it's with it stars tom wilkinson and sissy spacek oh sissy spacek i haven't heard that name for years she's another one that I remember seeing, well, Carrie, we all remember Carrie, don't we? That was another creepy yes. one. Wow. And they did a remake of that too, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. I don't I didn't see the well, remake. They remake everything. Yeah, yeah. They, they seem to, don't they? Yeah. I'm but shocked it, they yeah. haven't started remaking the Hammer films at this point. Actually, yes. I don't know why they haven't, because just imagine, because all our, our special effects were done, obviously, in front of our eyes. You know, you cut... So you bled, you know, you, it was yeah, all, all done practical. practical. Whereas, um, whereas nowadays you've got so much, almost too much CGI for my liking, but that's just a personal thing. I but, am right um, there with you. Are you? Are you? <laughs> yeah. Because I mean. Yeah, it, I find I find that CGI doesn't feel very tactile to me. There's something false about it. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. And you can, I, I mean, as clever and wonderful as it is, you can still know it's CGI. Whereas you know when somebody like yeah. Ray Harryhausen made his creatures out of his, you know, he got the it, they kind I of love lived Harry and Housen. breathed. And me too. I mean, that was a certain era. Yeah. He was just to me, he's the godfather a of effects. He, he was pure genius. Yeah, absolute magical genius. Yeah. I have many big, big books about him that I adore. Well, do you? Did you buy all the books? Because he's, he's done, well, he did so many beautiful books. And his daughter, Vanessa, is now bringing out um, the books. You know, she's she's doing her own books on the, and his posters and his writings. And she's she's actually doing that. Um, I work very closely with Vanessa. Um, and I got to know her so well. You know, so would you met Tammy? Would Tammy and Vanessa went to school together? Oh, really? Yes, Tammy in 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 the yeah yeah in Toronto, and Tammy and Vanessa Vanessa Harryhausen went to school together. So, you know, so that is um, a very strong connection I have with Ray and and Vanessa. So yeah, no, he was genius, pure genius. So you found yourself sort of going in through a back door to become an actor. Did did you train at all? Did you go to any acting classes or anything of that nature? Do you know what? I I I did a little bit later on, but in fact I didn't I haven't I can honestly say no, I didn't really train. And I look back on it and I think I wondered and I didn't attempt to train. And I, I look on back on it and think, I wonder if I'd have tried to get into a drama school um, you know, what what the outcome might be or would I have been different or would I have wanted that? Or because I didn't, I maybe thought, you know, the first couple of films, I thought, oh, well, you know, that's it. You know, I, I won't work again. That's fine. So I didn't take it seriously until I did start to do the Hammer films. And the first one where I really took it seriously was Dracula AD. And I actually thought... Um, I thought about it and I worked with Christopher quite a bit in that film. And, and, and then I thought, actually, I think I can do this. I think I understand it. It was understanding the mechanics. So I, I very, um, and also understanding the, it's the, um, not the intimate thing, but it's, it's the, it's the feelings. I could actually tap into my feelings in that film. And I knew I knew that it, I was that character. So I, I can't say it, it was a learned experience because it, it wasn't really. And before that, maybe I was going through the motions. You know, I did a film in um, 
Spain called A Talent for Loving with Richard Woodmark. And we had Topol. Richard Woodmark played my father. And it was a huge production called A Talent for Loving, all shot in Madrid. And again, it was, I was going through, I would only, it's instincts. It, it, it's if you can tap into your instincts, I think. And that's so I basically, I suppose I was flying by the seat of my pants because I hadn't had any training. So I could only rely on my feelings. And if the feelings were there and I knew they were there, then I, I that was so exciting for me because I thought, I am it. I've got it. I understand it. So, but the mechanics of how to get there, um, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I didn't study. My, my daughter's studying. She's Georgina. She's 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 studying much more than I did. So I can only say sounds stupid to say self-taught, but I did all my learning on film sets, good or bad. You know, I was there. I would be a bit like a sponge. So I'd be watching these other wonderful actors and I think, oh, yes, that that's interesting. I wonder how they got to that. You know, how did they get to that point and how did they? So I think now that I'm much, much older, I can feel myself tapping in. It's it's so much easier because I have nothing to prove. You know, I, I didn't ever feel I had anything to prove except to prove to myself that I was worthy to be there because I always doubted myself. And I think, well, why am I getting this job? Why did they choose me? You know, I, I think a lot of actors are like that. They're very filled with a lot of self-doubt. Yeah. So it, it, I found that um, interesting. But so, so yes, so... The, the Dracula I, 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 with Christopher Lee, I thought I'm going to learn, I'm going to try it, I'm going to do it now because I think I, I think I understand. It's tapping deep, you know, to to something and believing in what you're doing and believing in what you're saying, and it's it's as if you're hearing the words for the first time, and that's very hard when you've been learning them and then and then rehearsing them. So I'm always better in my mind to not really do too many takes. I'm a bit of a, you know, I prefer not to overdo it because I like it to be the first time. So it's fresh in my ears. Does that make sense to you? I've got waffled on a lot. It, the, of course, there, there's um, a wonderful quote, uh, the actor Brian Cox. Oh, sure. he's wonderful. Wow, it's one of my favorites. What does he say? He said um, that he believes that every act is deeply, deeply insecure at heart. <laughs> Did he say that? And I think there's... Oh, I love him even more yeah. for that. He said it even to this day, you know, when, and it, of course he's such an accomplished he's actor. huge. He said, I'll never not be that person that, that has that part of me that fuels my work as a, as, a, as an artist wow. by that insecurity. And, uh, and I thought that was so interesting to hear such an accomplished... Such an yeah. extraordinary, because he is so versatile. Um, he's quite a political animal too, but he's he's just so versatile. He's a fantastic actor. I think he's one of the best we've got. He is. He's wonderful. Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, I love the fact that brilliant. he said his, that. His book is really wonderful. If you haven't read it, I haven't read it. What's it called? The book is called "Putting the Rabbit in the Hat" by Brian Cox. Putting the rabbit in the hat. That's interesting. And is it really wonderful? Yeah, a really good read. It's brilliant. Yeah, I think every actor should read it. I think it's it's. Because he's so on, he's so honest about his process and insecurity and his troubles, and it's really wonderful. Yeah, yeah. the The book is called that because it's a play on on that he believes that 
when acting really lines up that it's magical. And so it's putting the rabbit in the hat is, you know, the yes, getting, getting the, the ace in the hole. He talks about. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, isn't that good? So, yeah. so even he, he, he obviously, from what he's saying, so even he gets doubt, he, he gets doubts and thinks, well, I'm not sure if that was quite. Oh yeah. 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 How amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think he I talks think about working that. with some very prolific people and how, you know, he saw that in all of them, that every, even the most accomplished, famous actor had that that quality. Yeah. How yeah. interesting. Because yeah. then you get the other, you get the opposite when the, the people that think, oh, you know, I, this. And that's scary, too, because you think, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm going to be working with this person. They, they you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, I think, oh. I always feel like those people are the ones who are the most insecure because Maybe. that overcompensation has to come from somewhere. Maybe. Right? It's it's is pretty. It's being pretty yeah. honest that that Brian Cox is saying what he says, which I think is very endearing to me. It sounds wonderful. Mm. I I think so too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he has some moments in the book where he talks about working with certain very well known people, and he's very frank about their nonsense behavior and how he had no patience with it. <laughs> well, yes, I suppose funny. if they yes, but then I expect this. They were scared. You know, you have to make allowances, I suppose, yeah. for people. And obviously he does because he's such a wise man. So you you kind of got to make allowances for people and their foibles and everything, haven't you? Really? I would imagine. Yeah. I don't know. Well, because Brian Cox himself is very much not a method actor. He he does the role and then he goes, he, they call cut and he's back to being Brian Cox. He's back he to, doesn't he doesn't, he doesn't, like he's not a Dustin Hoffman. It doesn't, he doesn't, you know, uh, stay no. with him. No. What sort of how are you how are you in that regard? Do you, do you sort of stay in a part a bit between takes? No, I, 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 I don't think I do. I think I can go in and out. I think I can go in and out. Obviously, some some parts uh, are harder than others. So so therefore they dwell with you more because and especially if you have to break for lunch, which is always and if you've just kind of got the, the part, if you've got her. Then, then, then it's hard to sort of leave off and then come back. I prefer not to have the lunch or have it later. And then, if you're still, you know, because it's hard to get back in once you, once you know that you've got the key, <laughs> which is you're dialed me, in. Yeah. yeah, you're dialed in, but doesn't always happen. Doesn't always happen. And I know so much, so many films I've done, that it's not been there. And I look at it and I think, oh gosh, if only I could have another go. But but that's it. You know, you especially with. Um, time constraints on films the you know the lack of time especially the smaller budget you you got to get it right you know as right as you can do and sometimes it just doesn't feel right it just doesn't feel right so it, it's hard that way I yeah. think it's hard I think it's a hard job which it should be you, you, people think it's the easiest job in the world and I think I think yeah, it right. can look it, but it's to make it look effortless and to make it look as real as you can is hard. <laughs> I do. But then that's just me. Yeah. Again, I can't call on that I've had, uh, you know, training. I haven't had training. I just have to rely on my instincts. But do you think, you know, Carolyn, you're talking about that you worked with, you know, so many of these wonderful actors, people like Christopher Lee or Peter Cushing or Richard Widmark. You know, Richard I, Widmark. I mean, um, whoa, that was scary. But he was great to work with. Was he intense? Very intense because we um, we were in uh, in Madrid doing the film, and I played his daughter. I played a Mexican American girl, and um, it's a great. It was a great book. It was um, Talent for Loving. It was written by Richard Condon, and then turned into a, a, a film. So it was a clever book. Okay. 
based on a, a curse, that the curse of the, um, uh, basically it was um, talent for loving. It was it was a curse of falling in love sort of curse. And, and, and I had the curse, you know, I had the curse. So, and I was uh, come back from school. I was a young girl. I'd come back from school and then I fell in love with some, you know, I, I just, and then they had, basically it was all about, I suppose they had to consummate that, that. And it was all about that. And mm-hmm. Cesar Romero was in that too. He played my grandfather. Oh, he had wow. a fantastic cast. But I remember the first time on set with Richard Widmark and I was with a wonderful uh, French actress called Genevieve Page. She was a wonderful actress, a theatre actress mainly, but she'd done films. She was in um, Belle de Jour. She was in Belle de Jour with Catherine Deneuve. And um, she was an extraordinary actress. And... She was late on set and I was meant to go on set with her. And um, I, I, I remember her and I, I was ready and the, they got me ready. And this is my first scene with Richard with Mark and I had my dialogue. I had, you know, everything. And she said, oh, Caroline, she said, would you wait? Could you wait for me? She said, I'm not quite ready, but I will be ready soon. So we go on set together. It will be better. But we were late by this time, and I was very conscious of the time. And being this young girl, I was 18. I thought, I have to be on the set at time. Anyway, we went on together, and Widmark had been pacing up and down this huge, amazing set that they built. He was pacing and pacing up and down, and they had all the big brutes and the you know huge lighting setups there, and fabulous, um, wonderful furniture, and it was beautiful, sumptuous. And we walked on the set, and Jean-Vier was slightly in front of me, and he said, "He said, what time do you call this?" He said to her. She said, "Well, we weren't ready." And, and I knew I was ready. You know, I was 18 and I was going to work with Richard Widmark. <laughs> so I'm ready. And then he picked up, he picked up a, this thing to be a hairbrush and he threw it at Genevieve. He said, you shut up, come on the set, you know, this late. I've been waiting. And I thought, oh my God, this is my first time. It was a Columbia film. And there <laughs> I was, 18, and I was quaking in my little boots by then. And we were in these wonderful... I was going to say, were you terrified when he's throwing things? I was terrified. And- I was... <laughs> I was terrified. And we were wearing these wonderful period costumes designed by Yvonne Blake. And she went went on to win Oscars and all sorts. But so we were in these very tight corseted costumes. Um, So then I think Jean-Vierre was in tears by then. And so (laughs) I didn't know what to do. He said, he said, you, me. And then he did. He called me Caroline. He knew my name. So then, so then we we started to do to do the scene, and she went off because she, she was crying, so she had to have her makeup redone. So he did the scene just with me, and he said, "Remember," he said, "Remember, Caroline," because I was doing, I was all over the top, and you know, I was ter- terrified by that time. He said, he kind of quietly came up to me and said, "Caroline," he said, "Now you know everything is in the close up." He said, "You save everything for the close up." I said, oh, okay. He said, so so the, the the wide shot, he said, you can do what you want, but when we get to the close-up, he said, now you look at me. And he said, you just bring it down, bring it right down. And I just remember him saying that, and I thought, oh, my goodness. But I felt calm, and I did what he said, and I had to whistle. That's wonderful advice, though. He's it was not, fantastic. He, was right. he said, yeah, you've got to save it for the close-up. He said, everything else you can do. 
then bring it right down. So yes, it stuck with me, and he was he was wonderful. You know, he's fantastic to work with. And then they came; she came back, and it seemed to be fine. But but that was the terrifying moment. <laughs> it was my well, first. Richard Widmark too. Not Richard not a, Widmark. Huge. Yeah, he's not a. He's a pretty intense. Very in, in, intense. In his characters, at least, that he, he portrayed. They were always intense. Yeah. What was the film that he did, The Something Kiss, you know, the when he went off in the wheelchair and big film he did, black and white oh. film. And he was a psychotic yes. killer or something, Kiss? Kiss of Death. Kiss, kiss of, of death. death. I knew it was Kiss of Something. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Gosh, you're a mine of information. Yeah. Yeah, so he's a fantastic actor. And my father, because both my parents were over in Madrid with me, they'd rented a great big apartment. So, you know, because I was young, so my parents were over. My dad was so impressed, she said, because he loved Westerns. And, of course, Richard Widmark is a big yeah. Western star. Yeah. Usually a villain in Westerns. He's always yeah. a villain. Yeah. Always played a great villain. But he was a very yeah. sweet man and a fabulous actor to watch. So I watch. I remember, I, mm. listen, James, do you know the actor James Woods? Yes, James Woods. What an actor, too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. He did a movie with Richard Widmark and Jeff Bridges. Oh, and that's, um, a, that's a trio for you. Lead actor. Yes. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, it was called Against All Odds. And uh, um, Richard Widmark was, I think, rather elderly at this point. But James Woods told this story about how they pull a, a joke on Widmark. He, I guess, at the start of every shooting day, he would he would sit down and eat pancakes. He liked so pancakes. That was like his ritual was. To, he did like yeah. pancakes. I <laughs> did remember he did like pancakes. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Very so American. James Woods and Jeff Bridges hid his pancakes on him. Oh no! One day on set, and he he wouldn't shoot until he had his pancakes. So he was wandering around set. James Woods said, going, where's my hotcakes? I won't go until I get my hotcakes. And Woods and Jeff Bridges were in the corner giggling. Because that they is very funny. Naughty. But <laughs> And then was he all right once he got his hotcakes? <laughs> yeah, they gave them back to That's, him and he, he, he came like back pancakes. to pancakes. Yeah. Yes, I'd forgotten That's that. So oh, my funny. gosh. That you recall amazing. that as well? <laughs> yes, I do remember that. He's yeah. Like, he, yeah. You know, you, you've played a lot in a lot of different kinds of films. You've done you know everything from Sinbad to Bond. Yes. Was, were you always, have you always been pleased to work in genre films or did you ever feel limited by the kinds of roles that genre projects offered you? Um, I suppose basically I was happy to be working, but I mean, obviously it yeah. would be nicer to have done, maybe more interesting to have done varied work, but I did seem to be maybe pigeonholed into stuff, but, but. If it was interestingly interesting enough for me to do, then I would I would do it. You know, as I say, nice to be working, mm -hmm. good to be working, working with different people all the time, working with different directors, different countries. I worked quite a lot in Europe, which I loved. You know, like working, I worked in Italy. I did a couple of films there with Luigi, Luigi Cosi, and I also worked with Paul Nashi in um, in Madrid, which was great. So I love to wait, make make films in different countries. So that's interesting for me because they have different takes there. We did Maniac in New York. So that was working with a, an American crew. But then we did um, working with uh, the Spanish crew when we did um, uh, Howl of the Devil, Alaido del Diablo. Okay. We, we did that with Paul Nashi. And then working in Italy. So I found I like working with, uh, European crews because I find them 
I find them very, um, they're different from English crews. They're very different from American crews, but they're very, I don't know, they like, uh, they like women, but I mean, they, they embrace older women, which is great. You know, it seems to be, it's like a lot of the French films I used to see when I was very, you know, when I was young, I was quite fanatical about French cinema. So therefore working with, um, uh, European crews, I, I, I felt, I felt very much at home with them because they were very mm, sensitive, but also very, um, creative and it was a different sort of way. And yes, the language sometimes could be a barrier, but, but I, I kind of got, I, I could slot in quite naturally into some of the French and the, so, so, so yes, I worked a lot in Europe. I've forgotten what the question was you asked me. <laughs> I completely forgot. I've gone off on a tangent. No, I was just sort of curious, like, because it, I remember I was, I was reading an interview with, uh, with Donald Pleasance and he was talking about the interviewer asked him if he ever felt typecast. And he said, yeah. I never worried about that because if you're typecast, it means you're working. And I thought that's a very English yeah. <laughs> way of looking at it. And I love that. I, I love that mentality. Yeah, so yeah. true, actually. It is true. You're, you're working. And if you're working and doing what you're passionate about, which I did become passionate about, you know, working on film, I loved it. I actually loved it. I love the whole feeling of working together with the crew and creating something that you're going to see later, good or bad. But, but yeah, I think I think that's a very good answer he gave. Very good. Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's funny because Donald Pleasance was an actor who, you know, he did wonderful things like Pinter's film, The Caretaker and the play, of course. And he did yes. things for John Sturgis, like The Great Escape. And, you know, again, Bond, he was in Dr. No. Um, yes. Uh, or wait, was it Dr. No? No, You Only Live Twice. Uh, twice. That's what he did. He was in The Only Live Twice. But he had a huge body of work. But with his work, it was oh, very varied. It was only later yes. he sort of got into the more horror genre. But his work in, I mean, The Caretaker, yeah. what a classic film. That's, I mean, brilliant film. Yeah. No, Robert it, it Shaw, really yeah. was. It, yeah. Robert Shaw, it's a, it's, a, it's a bit like, to me, The Servant. You know, you go back to... Yeah. Uh, Bogart and the servant and 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 the night porter and all those kind of uh, really gritty wonderful films you know that I I so loved. Yeah, I mean I at a it was funny at a young age I read a play by Pinter that I fell in love with. I can't remember which play it was now because it, it might have been The Caretaker. And I remember I I went to my school drama teacher. I was like twelve. And I went to my school drama teacher and said, why can't, could we do this play? And she went, I think we're a little young for the, for Pinter, Kevin. Little bit, we're um, a little bit young. <laughs> so that was, I was a weird we kid. We might be a little you know, bit young. Like, yeah, I was, oh, I was a weird adorable. kid. How many 12-year-olds are like, let's do Pinter? Like, yes, yeah. exactly. I mean, gosh, that is really, <laughs> that's off the charts, isn't it, really? Yeah. <laughs> My mom was so funny. She, because I would sit there and I had this old copy of the the play for the, for the caretaker, and I had some of his other plays, but I had the caretaker was my favorite. And I would sit there and and read parts and ask people in my family to play the other parts. And so you know, my dad would be like, oh. "You were so young, so you you were bitten by the bug." Oh yeah, very young age. Was that your mom or your dad or or just the family? Both. My parents are, were both very, my mom is, they're both retired, but my mom was in, in the nursing and, and, and 
field and my dad was a school teacher. So, um, but they were both very creative people and they, they, I think they were very proud that at a young age, I took it seriously. And I, you know, if I was going to pursue a career in the arts, I think they wanted me to be serious about it. Like it's a difficult yes. profession. So you have to take it seriously. Very. And, uh, yeah. You know, but I started, I went to drama school when I, the summer of my, of when I was 14, I was the first time I went to drama You were drama very, school. so how many years did you do? Is it like three that you do over here? Did you do three years of drama? I did or? them in the summer. So I went to, you know, my, Sounds I was cool. in high school at that point. And then in the summer I'd go mm. to drama classes throughout the summer. So I, I, I did that for several years in drama camps and stuff like that. And and I started yeah. to direct theater when I was 16. Um, Gosh, you so. were young. So you did it at the drama schools. You, I expect you'd, you'd have your plays. Did yeah. you have to write your plays or did you perform? Both. I would act and direct them and write them. Yeah. 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 Is that one of your favorite things to do? Oh, I love theater. I love theater. Mm. Yeah. I miss doing theater, actually. You can't make any money doing theater is the problem. No. So I, you no. know, um, but uh, but I love the stage. It's, you know, it's it's a very different thing than making a film. As a film director, it's very there's, there's a lot more. Uh, yeah, it's a very different process. And the considerations mm. are much more. Uh, I, the technical parts of being a director are very different than the theater. I mean, when you get into it as a director in theater, once the show starts, you What's going to happen? It's going to happen. And that's that. So did you ever sort of ask fellow actors when you worked with people like wonderful people like Christopher Lee or Peter Cushing or, or Richard Widmark, you talked about a bit. Did you ever say, you know, how do you sort of go about this? Did you ever learn by by just talking to them about the craft? Do you know what? I wished I had and I didn't because. I suppose because I felt very insecure in my own self so I, I didn't really ask them and I wished I had because I'm sure they were all approachable and they would like to maybe help to help a you know a newbie to the young to actor the business. Yeah. but no I, I didn't really I so didn't and I just wished I had because that might have been you know I might have gleaned um no it was it was it was more a question of watching them but actually not you know, not knowing how they got there. And that is that is the key, isn't it? That's the key just to, to get that there, to come out of there and to hear. So, um, yeah. no, I didn't ask them and I should have done. But if I ever get a chance to any in the future, <laughs> I so will. No, it's just so true. I will. Never too late to learn. That's what they say, no. don't they? Well, I mean, it's <laughs> never too and late. And I think it's... There's so much that you you probably did learn even by osmosis just by being around that yes. set and and being yes. part of you know I I I imagine there was a lot that you gleaned just from that process without getting maybe the chance to say hey how did you arrive at that yeah. point I just observation probably taught you quite a bit from even if you didn't know it maybe yeah maybe, maybe I didn't know but I think Joe Spinell I learned a lot from because I I got to watch him you know quite a lot we did the maniac together and and we did well we did the last horror film you know all, all, all together we did that in in France shot in the most difficult circumstances because it was taken shot during the film make uh, during the filming of um not filming during the uh Cannes Film Festival, Con, was right. so that was pure guerrilla. Yeah. Yes, Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. So that was, and that was talk about shooting by the sh- is, um, 
seat of your pants because you just go in. It was pure guerrilla filmmaking before guerrilla filmmaking because you had to just <laughs> go in and just do it. You didn't get a chance grab to get stuff. another yeah. tape. Yeah, grab yeah. stuff. I mean, we'd had the fantastic crew, you know, had a couple of cameras there. And they'd say, right now, you're going to go up on the red carpet. We didn't have permission from the mayor to go up on the red carpet. And you had Jack Nicholson there. You had um, Leslie Carroll there. You had amazing actors there. Uh, Diane Cannon there. Uh, you know, had some fantastic actors. And they say, right, Karen, you have to go up. And you're in tears and you're in a, a towel and you're going up and you're emotional. So I had to do that all in front of these people who didn't know who the hell I was. You know, there's this young person running up there screaming and in a towel and in disheveled. <laughs> so that was kind of, yeah. So that, that must have been quite but, an so experience. So I learned a lot from him. It was quite an experience. Yeah, it was an extraordinary experience. But again, it's something you, I just did. You know, I just did. And, and, and by the time I'd got run along the croissette in bare feet, I was kind of right in the zone there. I thought, yeah, this is it. I'm here and, and I'm not. I'm not going to see Jack Nicholson. I'm not pretending he's not there. I'm just going up as my character who's meant to be a film star, uh, yeah. a horror film star in this film. So it was quite bizarre. I always yes. remember your your hair in that movie. You had like those those shocks of blondie bits. Blonde. I did. Yeah. Had it done yeah. specially. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I did. Yeah, it's quite <laughs> strange, but <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a very memorable look you have on that picture um, yeah it was it was quite a strange look yeah <laughs> now you've and made a, quite, a, quite i mean most mm. of your of your projects have been shot in in england but but you as you were saying mm. you've traveled to do a lot of different projects but what do you mm. remember noticing were some of the biggest difference between working with english filmmakers and american ones um well i suppose i felt I liked working with, I've, I've only, I've worked with two American crews. One was on Maniac and one was when we did the uh, um, seventh annual science fiction show in LA. That was with, that was with um, uh, Mark Hamill. He and I, uh, he and I presented it. It was a, it was a show. It was an actual show. And that was an American, um, because it was only um, a one-day show, we just had a, a rehearsal and that was kind of it, so I didn't get to know the crew. But the American crew, I actually found them really very – it was a small crew on Maniac. It was quite a tiny crew. We had Tom Savini there, to, you know, as the makeup guru, really, uh, wonderful Tom Savini. Um, so I found them – I suppose – I didn't really get to know them as well as, say, you get to know the English crew. The English crews have a funny habit of being very, they're quite familiar, which is quite nice. You know, the, the American crew weren't maybe as familiar familiar insofar as, you know, they say, oh, you know, oh, what you going to do today, love, in, in England? It's, you know, what you got, what you got on today, love, what, what are you going to do? I said, well, you know, this is what we're going to do today. Oh, that should be good. You, with Rog, are you? With Rog? I said, yes, with uh, Roger and I today, we're doing our scene. Oh, that sounds good. You know, they were much more familiar, whereas the American crew, actually, the, the American crew seemed much more respectful in a way because they weren't as familiar. <laughs> so it was, it was a kind of a different way. It was more... I was a European coming into an American set. You know, it was it was kind of a different thing. So, so it was a different approach. I I suppose I spoke differently to the American. It was a different thing because the other actresses were all American on on the Maniac, whereas I was the only European. 
Um, but but insofar as working together, they work really well together, the American crew. So I would be, you know, they're more than happy to to work with them again. I found them great to work with. But it was a different, it was a, there's a warmth about the English, you know, there's a kind of camaraderie about an English crew. And especially, I suppose, when I was on Bond, because I, I was on it for a little little while. Um, but I, then I was on Maniac for a, a while too, but equally professional. So... Yeah, equally, but just a different, a different, slightly different way. But both very professional. I mean, the English crew would get there in the end, but they'd have to have their tea breaks and everything. They'd yeah. have to have their tea breaks and, you know, tea breaks, um, breakfast to start off. Uh, an English crew very much works on its stomach. So they like a proper full breakfast before they start. You know, they start very early, you know, makeup and hair, you're in makeup and hair, 6.30, so very early, same as American crews. But they're very much, um, uh, they have to have their tea break, which they do get the tea break, 11s is at 11 o'clock, and then they have lunch break, so they're very much, um, but they work hard. You know, they work hard, but, but a lot of the perks for the English crew is the food. You know, they're very food-driven. Yeah. And you'd have fabulous um, chefs on, on, on the, you know, great as you did in America, but again, it was much more casual. It seemed much more um, calm, in a way, on the American set. You know what I've always noticed, too, is an interesting contrast between English actors and American actors. And you can see this in guys like Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, but also yeah. um, I got I got to know Ian McKellen a bit early in my career. And, oh, uh, okay, Lovely yes. man. And I was yes. writing a book. This is funny. You'll appreciate this. I was writing a book about Donald Pleasance. And I reached out to Ian McKellen because I had heard Ian McKellen in an interview talk about how brilliant he thought Donald Pleasance was as a young man. He was yeah. a big fan of Pleasance as a stage actor. So I reached out and sent him a letter just saying, of course, how much I adored him as an actor. But would he would he contribute to my book about Donald Pleasance? And he wrote back and said, I, I would love to. So we started a correspondence then. And he was he was wonderful. I was a very young man. I was so excited by oh, wow. speaking with him. Um Yes, he, I mean he is amazing, isn't he? Wonderful, yeah. And such a <laughs> still going, still going. Yeah, and he's dedicated so much of his career to, to training other actors and working with young actors, and I think that's wonderful. Um, I do too, because he's giving his his knowledge. You know, like I should have learned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> but it's funny to, to notice that that difference in the approach of uh, I find that a lot of English actors, Pleasance is a prime example, McKellen too, but. There's that school of English acting where they, they'll do an insane amount of films in one year and just keep going and going. Mm. Whereas Americans seem to have yeah. an American actors have an idea of being very selective about parts. And I think that it's a different mentality, a, a different approach to, to being a working actor. Yes, I, I think it is. Because if you, you know want to be a working actor, you, you want to work at it. Because the more you work at it, the more you're going to learn. So I suppose that's always a good good thing. You know, whether the project is... Is I mean, obviously you've got to want to do the project, but but sometimes you think actually I'm not sure if I do. But then again, you know I'm going to meet different people, <laughs> different crews, different directors. Yeah. So why not do it? You know, it it yeah, that's the thing because it, it's all about knowledge, isn't it? You're learning all the time. Well, I'm learning all yeah. the time. I notice when I work with yeah. different people, I'm learning, and I and I and my brain is still learning. You know, I like that. Well, I think you you sort of collect different things from all the different people you work with you do. whether you whether you know it or not right i mean you yeah. just pick up little no, tricks do. and they you learn from working opposite 
I mean, especially for me as a filmmaker, different cinematographers that I've learned from, you know, different little oh, tricks yes. with the camera and the lighting. And, you know, it's, I've, and, yes. and I worked with um, an actor named Dee Wallace. A, a oh, Dee Wallace. Actor. Yes. Yeah. Dee Wallace. Yes. She's yeah. done a few, sh- a lot of shows in England. Uh, the, you know, the um, conventions. Oh, she's, uh, she's the har- such a hardworking lady. I adore her. Yeah. Um, she works a lot still, doesn't she? Yes. And I learned a ton working with her. I remember we shot a scene. It was like a fairly big dramatic scene. And I, I, I was accustomed to on the stage, a lot of the actors I worked with stage actors are very different too, in some level, but, but it was kind of like you, you do a thing and it, unless there was a problem, you just keep going. And so mm-hmm. I think that was so much part of my repertoire. And I had worked on a lot of very independent films prior to doing this movie with D, which where we had some more money and more time to do the film. Yes. And there was a lot of wonderful actors in it. It's the time. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we finished this scene and I went to move on to the next shot. And Dee sort of pulled me aside and said, did you like what I did? And I said, yeah, it was great. And she said, OK, well, like, I just like to know if you're happy with it before we move on. So if you could just let me know, like when you're when we do something that if, they, if you're pleased with it, it just helps me to move on to the next thing, knowing that we got it and you're pleased with it. And I and it, it stuck in my head from that point on to to learn to communicate with an actor the way that they want to be. Oh, I think it's, it's so important. It's so, so important. And I, I also think nowadays, um, back in the day, we didn't have the monitor things that the directors look at now. You know what I mean? There's, there's yeah, monitors. Yeah, the playback they, monitors. So yeah. they're not necessary. Yes, playback. So they're not necessarily looking at the actors as such. And for me, when they started working with those, I found that very disconcerting because I thought, surely, you know, your eye has to be on, you know, what's going on in front of you because your eye is the best camera in the world. Let's face it. You can't get better than these. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. you're seeing the whole thing. So so when they're watching that, I, I think, well, are they actually watching that? What are they looking at? Whereas if they're really involved in what's going on, to me, that's that's sort of more important. But um, I don't, again, I know they depend on it now. Yeah, the mentality being like what they see on that monitor is the shot, right? So it's like... Is, is how the... I understand yeah. that. I, I do understand that because it's got to be in that little box anyway. Mm-hmm. But for me, it again, it's, it's you know, it's seeing the whole, you can see everything when you're looking at it with your eye. But that's that's just a minor thing. Let's talk about Dracula AD 1972. Long title, isn't it? Um, it, it is quite a long title. <laughs> it is quite a long it's title. It's a mouthful somehow. Yeah, it's not that it's particular. It's just adding the date into the title is sort of a strange. Thing. It is weird, isn't it? Yeah. But I suppose that was it had to be because that was almost the opening shot when after you've seen um, if you've seen the film. Well, I guess it's it was also to let people know that this was a Hammer movie that at the time was contemporary. Yeah, yeah. Yes, which at the time it was contemporary. Yes, kind of between the sixties and the seventies, so it was contemporary. Yeah. So Dracula was your first film for Hammer. If I'm not mistaken, yes. But had you seen any much of the Hammer stuff prior to doing that film? I'd seen some of the Hammer films. Yes, I'd definitely seen some of the Hammer films. I mean, not all of them. I'd seen um, some of the the ones before me. I'd, I'd kind of had a little look at them, and and so I I knew that the the format, or at least right. I thought I knew the format, because most of them were obviously set with period costumes and and periods. So when this came about, um, <clears throat> and I read the script, 
I thought, well, this is different. You know, this is so different. They're bringing it right up to date. Don't know how it's going to work. But I actually think they did. I think they did a really good job, but it wasn't at the time very well received. People didn't um, didn't kind of, you know, get get the idea of it, bringing it back. And I'm not sure. I think Christopher, Christopher Lee had some reservations, I believe, at the time. <clears throat> I think he did about the bringing it back. But I think when he talked to Peter and Peter was all in with it, he he wanted to do it. And and then they kind of collaborated. And, and I think he thought, yeah, OK, we'll give it a go. It's different, you know, something different. Well, I know Christopher was fairly verbal about that. He wasn't particularly enamored with the script when he started mm, on the show. I believe so. He, he didn't think the script was quite. Yeah, he wasn't super enthused no, about it at that point. I think so, but but you know what? He didn't bring any of that if he felt that to the set. He didn't you would never know that he wasn't completely in, you know, in for doing it. So you never got the feeling that that he wasn't um wasn't involved because certainly when I did my scenes with him, he was totally there. You know, he was totally involved and um right. and present. So, yeah, it was a different concept. Did you go back and watch some of his 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 Peter and 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 Christopher's Hammer films prior to doing this film with them? I had watched them together, and I can't remember which ones I'd watched. There were some of the ones. Um, I think I watched. Well, there's so many. Yeah, I'm, I I can't remember as such, but I did watch them together, and together I thought they were very formidable. It just just really worked because again they were like chalk and cheese, but but it just worked. You know what they did together was perfect. So I liked the idea. <clears throat> you know, I really enjoyed the idea of of actually working on it, and also once I read the script and I read my part, I was pleased because it was small. I thought that's great. You know, not too right. much to handle. Um, and and then I I met the cast, you know Stephanie Beecham, who had just come off the Nightcomers, which I thought, wow, she just worked with one of my idols, Marlon Brando, and there she was. Michael Kitchen, who's gone on to be a wonderful kind of Shakespearean, um, uh, and and uh, film actor. He's a fantastic actor. And then I adored working with Chris Neem, who we did a film with not so long ago. We did a film in Texas together oh you, that's a, so that's another american shoot yeah it was texas. a yeah we oh. it was called the house of the gorgon and that was shot in texas uh, four years ago the one you were, your daughter's in it right yes my daughter georgina she's in that she's the lead in that and my martine beswick oh, cool. and myself play the ta- play the gorgon so she's great i love martine beswick I, isn't yeah, she wonderful. wonderful she is such a wonderful, wonderful lady yeah. She is. You should talk to her because she'd be a great one. Oh, I would love to. She was in a film I, I saw at a young age. Uh, it's called Trancers. It's sort of a sci-fi film. And uh, what was it and called? I thought she was so cool in that. And I Trancers so is the cool. name of it. Oh, I don't know. And she was, I hadn't yeah. seen, I guess it was the Superman picture she was in, right? Uh, was she in the Superman films? Was that no, what? not the Superman. She was she was in um she was in one of the hammers, the Doctor Jekyll and Sister Hyde. She's in that. Yes. And she's yeah. she's wonderful. And she's in, in Thunderball. And she worked, Thunderball. She worked a lot in television in the States because she lived in the States yeah. for thirty odd years. So she worked a lot there. She worked in England first and then she went to the States and lived there and did a lot of films, a lot of television. She did a movie called From a Whisper to a Scream with Vincent Price. It was one of his last films. And that's the film. I oh, I didn't know that. It's oh, a, okay. a horror film. Yeah. 
He was very, oh, wow. he was Price was quite elderly at that point. It was one of his last yeah. Um, of course, you worked oh, with him God. on the Fives stuff, but did you actually did you ever have scenes with him, or was it you? Yes, no, I did, but I had no dialogue because my character, his wife, I played Victoria Fives, had been, um, uh, well. She died under the surgeon's um, knives. I don't know what was wrong with her, but she basically died under the surgeon's knives. And his whole quest was to to find the surgeons that killed his beloved wife, Victoria, and and yeah. had seek revenge on the doctor. So that was the whole quest for Dr. Fibes and Fibes Rises Again. <laughs> I saw them years ago, and I have to go back and revisit those films. It's a beautiful film. It's a, it's a very, very... They're both very beautifully, um, uh, not contrived, but but very um, stylized, totally stylized film. Yes. Beautiful um, sets, all done in England, beautiful sets and beautiful costumes. And I was the wife, the dead wife, that he was kind of taking around, all around to try and get her, yeah. bring her back to life, basically. So, yes, I would do the yeah. scenes with him, but I would be the dead body lying next to him in the coffee <laughs> and then on the yeah. boat. That must have been a weird experience. <laughs> it was very weird because we we chat together. He'd come in in the morning to the makeup room while I was getting whited out, you know, as the dead body. Um, and then um, and he'd bring his lovely food in the morning he'd, he'd create something wonderful for the makeup girls and myself bring in pate first thing at six o'clock in the morning and so we'd have pate and <laughs> toast you know sitting there and then I'd go and lie next to him in the coffin um but he was charming he was just he was a very sweet man wasn't he he was a very sweet man and a very clever yeah. a very caring man and a very clever man Mm-hmm. Um, very articulate, and I found him delightful. But sadly, I had no dialogue with him. So that was the sad thing. So yeah. I couldn't, you know, no dialogue in, as the character because she was dead. So, <laughs> but I did yeah. get to lie next to him in the coffin, which was great honor for me. And then and then they brought yeah. me back, I think, out of continuity for the next, because they had to have for the, the character back for the next film. They did, yeah. did they do three so, of them or two of them? No, two. But but the I two 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 yes. Dr. Fibes and Dr. Fibes Rises Again. Um, right. And the plan was maybe to to do a third one, but sadly I think he was too poorly at that time, but they'd had a script. Okay. And apparently that that they might have brought Victoria back to life and she would be evil, even worse than him. That was sort of the plan that somebody told me. Oh, but, that would have been great. It sadly, yes, it would have been great that she would have been an even more awful monster than he was. But he he was so against type because <laughs> he was so gentle, you know, so sweet in that and very yeah. caring. And he said, are you comfortable? Are you all right lying in the coffin? Because I had to lie then, obviously try and not breathe and hold my breath. And, you know, it was, I can't say it was very taxing work, but it was interesting. <laughs> but I got to watch him. I know a few different people that I've talked to on this show that, that worked with Vincent and I've only ever heard. What an, a nice, nice thing. person that he was. Yeah, with. it's true. Yeah. yeah, no one has ever said a negative thing about him. No, the the bigger they are, it's like Christopher Lee. Peter Cushing was just the sweetest person you could possibly meet. He was just so sweet and so clever and very funny. People people didn't realize how funny he was because he'd he'd 
many, many years before he'd worked in comedy. That's how he kind of learned his trade in comedy. Right. Um, and then he got on to do the, all the serious stuff and he very often played the baddie, but but obviously in the uh, yeah. a lot of the Dracula films he was Van Helsing, so he was, the, you know, he Van was Helsing, a goodie. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember I when you when Chris Alexander mm. screened Dracula AD in Toronto and, mm. and I got to come and see it and you spoke before and after the film, but... Yeah. But after the film, you and I were chatting and I said to you, it was amazing to watch Cushing in the movie because the style of acting he used isn't dated at all. It was it felt very grounded and Quite real. Modern. And because Christopher yes. is playing out a more arch character. Oh, oh yes. But, yes. Much more dramatic, yeah. obviously. Yes. Yes. Right. But Peter got to play it low and and. It's, there's a stillness Very to him grounded. in that film where I was like, yeah. it holds up so well, you know, in, in so many ways. And uh, um, I think Peter was an underestimated actor in this sense. Yeah, I think people think of Peter as this hammer guy and a character, but he was a wonderful actor, really skilled. He was a wonderful actor. actor. He was. But I've seen that yeah. because I do something in England, it's called Talking Pictures. And we're showing a lot of the Hammer films, a lot of the old Hammer films. So I do it every Friday night. And they show a lot of the old black and whites, some of the really old Hammer films, but also a lot of the old American black and white films. So I'm learning more about the, you know, the Boris Karloffs and all the uh, uh, wonderful older actors. Um, And Peter, I think when it came to doing our film, he, he was, as you say, much more naturalistic in our film, say in the films that he worked with Christopher way before, in the black and white films, which right, it was yeah. much more, they, they talked in a much more clipped way. You know, the, you can actually hear it's the accents very statement change. kind of, yeah. It's very, right. very yeah. clipped and very, you know, frightfully, frightfully. But 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 in, in, in the, our Dracula AD, he was much more... He was looser, wasn't he? He was much looser, but he got to the yes. point and he was, you know, you knew exactly he meant business in whatever he was doing. So it was, it was much well, more natural. If I'm not having. mistaken, when he did Dracula with you, that was very shortly after his beloved wife, um, Violet, I think was her name. Helen. Helen. Was it Helen? Helen yes, had passed, Helen. right? Just yeah. prior to that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so he so was. He must, that must have been a difficult shoot for him, I would think. Incredibly difficult because he kept himself a lot to himself, really, during that that shoot. He was very. He'd go off the set, whereas Christopher would say on the set. So he'd go off and he'd come back, and he was so prepared and so professional. But it must have been so hard for him. But I know he wanted to. It's what he wanted to do. And then when I worked with him later in '76. So that was for five years after we worked on um, at the Earth's core. He was he was still had the melancholy, but he was much more, you know, is much more um, present in a way. Yeah. Yes, I suppose much more. Pre- yes. And he'd stay on the set and we'd chat away. <clears throat> I found him wonderful to talk to. I just he was just like a, you know, wonderful grandfather, actually. So he was he was. Um, yeah. And we'd sit and we'd have tea on the set after if we were allowed to. So, um, and that was on that, the Earth's core. So it was different again. And he'd be on the set. He wouldn't go off to the, you know, his room. But but obviously that must have been an incredibly hard time when we were doing that film. But again, yeah. he was brilliant in it. I've, I've, I've read on Peter that, that sort of after his wife passed that a lot of people felt he never really was the same after that. 
um, that it really affected him? Um, well, I can't say I knew him incredibly well because I didn't because I only met him on, I didn't yeah. meet him socially. Uh, right. They say he did change. You know, they say he'd, well, yeah. obviously, obviously it would have an effect on him because that would stay with him forever. It was his beloved wife and he absolutely loved her and they'd been together for yeah. always and ever. So that would have a profound effect. But insofar as he's working, I think he was spot on. Certainly in At the Earth's Core, he had such fun and he bought his own props to the you know, to the to the set, he he really thought about his character, and he bought his props. Um, he had an umbrella, a duck umbrella, which was quite kind of incongruous, but it really worked in the, in the as the prof, yeah. as the professor, the kind of absent, slightly uh, um, dotty professor. But he was wonderful and funny in yeah. that, and there were really great comic moments. But but when it was time to be serious and to you know, shoot the beasties and things. He he was spot on. Mm. So I think he really enjoyed doing that film. You did what, three pictures with Peter or two? Just two. Uh just just two. Just the um uh okay. at the Earth's core and um Dracula A D. So just Dracula, two sadly. Right. Yeah. And you didn't really have many scenes with him in Dracula, did you? Most of your stuff. No, I had no scenes in Dracula with him. It was with Christopher and the group, you know, and the and the group. But in at the Earth Core, we worked every day together. We were on the set with Doug McClure every day, and that was it. Was I? I smiled every time I went to work. I mean, it was hard work because we were doing yeah. all our own stunts and things. So it was quite hard, and so was Peter. And he was not a young man at that point. You know, no. incredibly no. young. But um, it was quite a hard. Was that prior to Star Wars, or had he already done Star um, Wars at that point? It was prior to Star Wars. I think just prior. Because when was Star Wars? 77? Okay. Okay. 77. 77, I think it was the year yeah, before. Yeah. So it was just just the year before. So, yeah, okay. I think. I'd and what was the, did, you know, in, in working with Peter and Christopher both, did you find they had a different approach to their craft or did they did they have a similar style as actors? Um, well, obviously the roles were very different and I wasn't with Peter during the making of the, I mean, I was with Peter, but but not on the set with him, not working against him or with him on Dracula. I can only say, yeah, I, and, 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 and on, at the Earth's core, very, very, so you've got Christopher's character, which was obviously, he was in the character, you know, so, so it was a very different character. Right. Um, and with one which he'd done many, many times before. So obviously he had to bring that, the Dracula, yeah. he had to bring that presence, which he did. Boy, did he. You know, I'd, I, I'd, I'd said to yes. Alan Gibson, I said, I'd rather not see um, Christopher before he comes on. Is that all right if I don't see him before he, you know, because I, I, <laughs> uh, 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 and Alan said, you don't want to? I said, no, I don't want to, because I want to do my scenes and then, um, you know, then then see what happens when he comes on because he didn't really have dialogue. Yeah. I didn't have any yeah. dialogue when I was meeting him. Whatever came out of my mouth was whatever came out of my mouth when I saw him. So nothing was re rehearsed. So I liked that because that was my first observation of him. After we did an altar scene, we did the altar scene. I fell off the altar. I was covered in blood because yeah. of the the with Christopher Neen yeah. and then I remember him walking in because Alan said he's going to walk in now so so 
we didn't rehearse it. We couldn't rehearse it because I was kind of on the floor at that point. And I remember looking up at him and he was all six foot four of him, white in with the red eyes and the and the gown with the red inside. And I thought, oh, my gosh. So then I remember my character getting up. <laughs> so Must have it was, quite a, a, it was a quite a presence. Yeah. And I just remember, I remember that scene as if it was yesterday. And it was, you know, and I was pleased that I'd asked not to see him because I didn't want to see him. You know, I didn't want to see him because I wanted there to be something real in me that sees him. And yeah, and he, and he was, he was, whoa, <laughs> he was there. Well, he was such a, I mean, both physically in stature, but such a towering Yeah, actor. in every way. Yeah. He had this wonderful yeah. voice as well. In every in way. Every way. Yeah. You know, he yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah. I was so pleased at the in the latter part of his career to see so many wonderful directors use him in their films. And he, he had this great late career. Tim Burton did, didn't he? A yeah. lot. And Peter, Jackson Peter Jackson and Tim Burton. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He was in the Because he was so, He was in the Star Wars he films. He was in the Star Wars films. Yeah, he was in the Star Wars and, and yeah. the other one, the Lord of the Rings. He was in the Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, we were. Yeah. yeah. I mean he was just Yeah, he did, he had a great late career. He had a such a really career. good career, didn't he? So he just carried on. And also they used yeah. his voice a lot too. He did a lot of voiceovers. So Oh yeah. yeah. I mean how he was about ninety two, did audio books. He even did opera. He did a yeah. bit of opera with a friend of ours, yeah. friend of Jane's and music. He, he did, did the some music mu- stuff, yes, like- musical operas, yes, he did. Yeah, he did. He was such a neat guy. He was, he wasn't he? Um, <laughs> very, very I yeah, mean really cool. About all of the those so cool. three, the trio. And he did a film that you may, probably haven't seen, but it was he did it with Donald Pleasance. It's called it's called Deathline. Never seen. It takes place in the British subway system. Uh-oh. Donald Pleasance plays this police inspector. It's sort of a funny character. Pleasance is sort of the comic relief. And at one point, him and and Christopher Lee have this scene, and Christopher Lee's playing like an MI5 or whatever it's called, Mm -hmm. a sort of Yeah. And they they have this confrontation, and they're both so fun in this scene, (laughs) just watching them play off, because they were pals. Yes. And I I adore watching that scene in the oh, film. What's it called? Death- I love that those actors those that's yes it's, it's called Deathline. 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 Yeah. I must look for that. Wait, so when was it done? Yeah. yeah. Before he died or or, or long ago? That's the seventies. Oh, so it's yeah, it an older film. The seventies, yeah. I think. Deathline. I don't know that. I've yes, it was it. all shot. All English actors shot in the UK. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know that. 1972. Oh, okay. Gosh. Okay. Norman Rossington, Donald Pleasance, David Ladd. Oh, a lot of good people. Norman Rossington. Any women? Sharon Gurney. Oh, Sharon Gurney, who was in... She was the the lead actress. Yeah, she was in that wonderful... She was in a movie called Women in Love. Yes, Women in Love, Ken Russell. Yes, I knew she was in that. Yes, she played the wife. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sharon Gurney, yes, she was in a series lovely. called Portrait of a Lady with Richard Chamberlain. Yes, yes, I remember her in that. She's lovely. Yeah. Blonde, very yeah. lovely. Yeah, it's a yeah. great movie. Great yeah, movie. I must remember that. Okay. And then so your your second film for Hammer, I know you were under contract with Hammer at that at that point, right? I was. the only actor I think who ever was. Yeah. Shane, Shane Bryant was under contract. Apparently it was just me and him, which okay. is very odd. You know, I thought, well, what a strange thing. Yeah. But yes, Shane, because Shane did a yeah. lot of work with Hammer, I think. Yeah. Um, yes, I, and I don't that know was, how that was, Were you under contract from the beginning on Dracula or did that come after? No, I was Dracula? under contract. They, uh, 
as I say, it was um, uh, it was uh, Sir Michael Carreras who again he'd seen this Lamb's Navy rum poster as well as Cubby had seen it, and and um, they'd seen some of my work, so they. Um, they asked to meet me. I went to meet them. I had a screen test with Peter Collingson, the wonderful director who sadly died, very young Peter Collingson, who did Penthouse and he did some good good films. So I did a screen test with him. And then from that, they offered me um, a contract, which is very, I didn't know people hadn't had a contract before. So so looked at it with my dad right. and, and we signed it. Because you'd think that some of those staple actors in Hammer you were under so contract. You so would. I mean, look at the actors. It was just you know? really odd, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I found that really odd, but there you go. <laughs> so, yes, Shane and, and, and you did a contract. The, just the two films with Hammer, Just the right? two. Just uh, the Dracula two. Dracula and And then it was right. towards the end of right. Hammer because it was, it was sort of the latter part of Hammer. I think they did another film. They did satanic rites of Dracula, and then there was a kung fu something, uh, something you know, go, going that way. But then I don't know how well they did. You know, it was towards the end of Hammer, sadly, because Hammer was such yeah. a, it was such an English uh, wonderful franchise. It Institution, was really, really. really. It really, <laughs> yeah. really was. It you know, people knew it and yeah. they love it. That's why we do talking pictures in in England because they love Hammer so much. It's so, you know, we, again, yeah. we had those iconic. Well, it's crazy. We've in. talked about this a little bit. You think of some of the directors that have been influenced by yes. the Hammer films. Yes. And, and, and there are so, you know, so many great filmmakers that exactly. grew up on the Hammer. Burton, Tarantino. Yeah. I mean, so People many like huge. Yeah. Peter, Peter Jackson. Peter you know, Jackson. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Myself. Jackson. I, not you, that I'm in the league with those guys, no, but, but, but I grew yourself. up. I, the first one I saw was the Gorgon. I saw you that saw as a little Gorg- kid, and I loved it. Was that with Barbara Shelley? I loved it. Barbara Shelley, wasn't I it? I think, was she was it Barbara Shelley? I think I'm so, not sure. I'm thinking she I'm was, but I could be totally wrong. The Gorgon. I've I think she in, was, in you know. a long time, but I. That is really old sure. film, The Gorgon. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Was it, it was, Barbara uh, Shelley? Yes, Barbara Shelley. It was Barbara Shelley. Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee. Yes, yes, yeah. Richard Pascoe. Yes. And who was the director? That's Terrence Fisher directed that one. It was Terrence Fisher. Terrence okay. Fisher. Wow. Yeah. 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 And that was the first Hammer film I saw. And I was, I remember my, I had a family friend who who loved the Hammer pictures. And he said, and you know, I was a horror fan. And I had yeah. just gone through watching all the Universal ones, which I adored. Yeah. He said, well, have you seen any of the Hammer movies? And I said, what's that? Yeah. I was 10 or something. Oh, he, he said, was so you've got to see the Hammer movies. Golly. Yeah. And he, yeah. he gave me a, a VHS copy of the yeah. Gorgon. And I watched it, and then that was it. I was taken away. I just loved it. I was like, I have to see as much of this as I can. Yeah. 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 And then I saw all the the Cushing, Christopher Lee, Dracula, Frankenstein, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, So I I saw your Dracula film, Dracula AD, around that time. Yeah. Um, And I remember... I was so taken with the uh, because it was so different because it wasn't a, a period. It was so period. different. The costumes, um, the music. You had Stone Ground. Yeah. The music. I loved know, the music though. I thought it was I so fun. I loved the music <laughs> like, too. I mean, with, it was like a party. Yeah, they yeah. said we're going to have because the faces, the small faces, were penned to do it, and for whatever reason, yeah. it didn't come about. So then they had this wonderful American band or Canadian band that came in, and and they just played live. And they said, right, you know, the camera was kind of going round and then we were just, you know, doing our own thing to it. So it was a very free scene. And that was Alan Gibson. Alan was a yeah. fantastic director. He was he was quite 
um, hard, you know, quite not hard. What's the word? Quite. He knew exactly what he wanted. You know, he said, "Right, Caroline, so we want yes. this and that." Specific. And, yeah. yeah, specific. Yeah. That's all. That's a good word. I like that. Yeah, he was very specific <laughs> on, on yeah. what he wanted. You know, which was great. So, right. Yeah. Which I think a director should be. I think that's important. You need that. I mean, I I like yeah. that. I like a bit of comeback from, you know, I want to know, like Dee Wallace, as you said, you kind of want to know if you're on the right track. Because if you're not, you know, if it's, yeah. if, it's if, it, if, if they're not feeling it and you're not entirely sure, then, then it needs to be addressed, I think. I think it's very important. And I think really. for an actor to not know, I think that's the kind of thing that can trigger someone's anxiety or their stress. Definitely. Not knowing, you know, it's it's, it's much better knowing. to be told, actually, I'd like you to to tweak this or change that. Yes. It's so much better than just not knowing. Exactly. Just letting you go sort of willy-nilly and you think, actually, no, you know, yeah. I'm a bit of a loose cannon. I'm not quite sure what I'm doing. If it's the You're right like, I'm thing. bouncing all over the place there. Exactly. You need to tell me what you need. Yes, tell me. Like, Hone yeah. me in. Yeah. Hone me in and tell me what you really right. want. Yeah. You know, and I'll Wait, when you think damnedest. of like sort of what you look for in a, in a director as an actor, you know, what, what, what you like to get from a director, how would you sort of describe a, a, a good working relationship with a director for you? Obviously, I think you have to have, you have to feel um, confident in, in that they've and chosen safe, you, that so you're the right too. person for the yeah. um, job. So therefore they have to, l and, and appreciate your work. And also they have to, um, maybe know your limitations too, or, or right. push the boundaries as well. You know, they want to see, obviously they want to see, you know, see how far it can be pushed. Um, and also I think for the actor, that's important, you know, to see, to see how yeah. far you can go with it. You know, if you can really, really release that, whatever it is to, to be able to really get in there and, and get the character. So I think you need the confidence to do that. You also need, um, empathy, you know, with the actor. I think you need a certain amount of empathy and understanding. You know, if they if they if they're struggling with it, then then you need. It's a lot, you know. It's 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 a, a director is a director for a reason. Is that they have, but they have the whole crew as well. So they got an awful lot on their shoulders. But but as an actor, I think you yeah. want that. You know, you want that them to. They want to have the belief in you. Therefore, if they have the belief yes. in you then you kind of get the belief in yourself and you think, actually, yes, I can. And I want to do it for them as well as for me. So, so I think, I think it's a sort of an understanding thing that you have between you and they understand how you work and how, yeah. I, I yes, I think that. It's that funny because be. I've worked as a director myself, but also having worked with other directors, as mm. a producer or an AD or whatever the job was. I've always noticed that I think there's sort of two types of directors. There's the kind of directors who like to challenge the people around them and push them really hard. Uh, and that's their prerogative, first and foremost, is to challenge people and push them. And that's a more, it's one school of direction. And, you it, know, people it, like Stanley Kubrick were more like it, that. If, it's sort of old school too, a little bit like a, like a Otto Preminger. Yes, or one of those, I think so. Or a William Wyler. I, I yeah. believe it's a little and, bit old and school. And then you have... It is. And the other school of directors, which I think I'm more like, is I want the actor to feel safe in the space yes. we've created, to be creative so and to important. explore and to talk. So important. And I think that's more, yeah. I think yeah. you've hit the nail on the head. Safety I think both can really work. Good. I'm not saying one is better than the other, yeah. but I think safety is, the I safety mean, to be creative and be expressive yeah. is important to me. Rather than creative. to let you just go 
you know, I have worked with people that, you know, you think you don't really know where you are. You're kind of floundering a bit and think, well, is yeah. it, you know, is it going the right way? Oh, yes, it's fine. I mean, fine is not good enough. Yeah. You know, fine. You don't want no. it to be fine. You want it are to be Are we trying yeah, to make something right. that's just fine? Yeah. 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 Fine is not good. It's yeah. like nice. That's nice. Oh, no, it's it's fabulous. No, I hate know. nice. Ugh, yeah. Nice. nice. Gross. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've nice always is... joked about that. I'm like, I would hate for anyone ever to describe me. It's just like, they're very nice. nice. That's so well, boring. I mean, oh, it gosh. is a word and I, I know I do use it quite <laughs> a lot. Oh, that's, that's nice. That sounds nice. I do use it, but maybe not about people yeah. so much, but oh yeah, that's a nice thing. To well, do. I, th- yes, that, it can be that's, used in that's, different contexts. That's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but no, it's, it's a very, I think it's a description for a person though. It's a, it's a very passive word. It's She's very nice. passive. She's nice. It's, They're it's, nice. Yeah. It could be yeah. one way or yeah. the other, couldn't it? Really? But it's not. Yeah, yeah, I like them. It can also yeah. be like a subtle way of being like they made no impression at all. <laughs> but they're nice. It's like Actually, not much yes. of an impression. It's a throwaway you know, I don't know. thing. They're nice. I know. A little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a little bit. Um, <laughs> it could be construed as that, couldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, Cronus was meant to be a series, but I know that when the film came out, it, it wasn't received the way everyone had hoped. Um, no, sad. Were you greatly disappointed when the film didn't land at first when it came out? Um, because it was late coming out. I think it was late. Came came out as a double bill with Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, I believe, which Clint Eastwood something. It came out as a double bill, and it got a little premiere in in London. But it was just a bit out of London, so it wasn't in the West End, or you know, it got. Yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. I was sad, but I was very pleased when I saw it because I stand by it. I think it's a really beautiful piece of work. It was, well, it has it a was, wonderful following now. People adore it. Th- it so does because it At was time. Basically, yeah. for me, it was ahead of its time. It wasn't behind its time. Yes, it was. I think he he got you no. know it, it was a totally different take on the Dracula idea because he's he, he drained the youth rather than the blood, which was different. And and yeah. the whole thing was beautifully shot because it was naturalistic. It was all natural lighting, as far as yeah. I remember, pretty much. And it was it was just a beautiful story told. It's it's sad that it wasn't received the way the way that they hoped it would be received. But it certainly gained yeah. legs. And I remember asking. Oh my um, goodness! Yeah, it, it, people, it, love it. I mean, people love it now because it is a beautifully made film. It's and so much, thought, and it's so much fun. It's it's well fun. made and it's fun and it's, it's well made. It's got yeah. it's got the little in jokes. I love in your there. entrance in the movie. Your first line: "I danced on a Sunday." I danced I think it's on a Sunday. <laughs> I know. And the crew. Yeah. I remember Brian. He stuck me in the stocks. And the crew. He said, "Right." He said, "Will you?" makeup on this um and then brian said no he said do you mind having eggs and tomatoes thrown at you i said i don't mind i'm fine because they put all the <laughs> you know all the dirt on my face anyway i looked a mess yeah so then they, yeah. the crew took great delight on throwing the eggs and the tomatoes just to make it look really <laughs> disheveled so when i came out and my arms what? and my neck were <laughs> yeah i looked suitably disheveled yeah but, and then they then they well, rode along fu- with the the truck, you know, the, the the horse and carriage. And they said, right, Karen, yes. run after it. And I was struggling to run after it. And you could see I kind of slipped at one point, but then I got on. So, yeah, it was very naturalistically shot. <laughs> and I got on very well. It's well. funny because um, mm. your character, Carla, I think is her name. Carla. Right? Yeah, Carla. Yeah. 
She doesn't yeah. have a ton of dialogue. I was noticing she, watching the film again. I she have, didn't have much. I didn't dialogue. remember that the character had so little dialogue. Yeah, yeah she didn't have much dialogue. But she was there a lot, but she had not a lot of dialogue. Oh yeah, which but was I think actually, it's fun. You get to create. Yeah, you're just your strength and immediacy as an actor brings so much to that character, though. I think oh, it's it bring <laughs> it makes her more fully realized than it might otherwise have been because of just oh, what you brought you. to her. So That's really nice you said that she um, didn't have much dialogue. But in a way that suits me because I remember reading a uh, a thing, I think it was Charles Bronson or, yes, because he used to get his scripts and Clint Eastwood to a certain extent, get the scripts, look at them, and then rip out the pages, the dialogue pages. Yeah. And I remember Clint Eastwood and Charles Bronson both said, you don't need the dialogue. You don't need the dialogue here. Just look at my face. Look, you've got everything. It's like yeah, the yeah. spaghetti westerns. You don't need the dialogue. you got everything there that you need. No. <laughs> so in a way. Um, well, I think that's you- sort of the another difference between American films and European films can be American films are often very talky compared. To yes, they can be very over dialogued. I, I quite agree. Yeah. Yeah. Can. Whereas yeah. with the um, with the European films like Sergio Leone, when he did a lot of the Western, yes, there there were very all little dialogue. It's all beautifully yeah. shot, and you can see everything. You can see what's going on in the characters. You know that that was that's what Clint Eastwood was so good at doing, and I think that's oh why God, he's yeah. such a good director because he learned from Sergio yeah. Leone that you don't necessarily need a lot of explanation. You can all just that yakking, do it by the <laughs> yeah, all the well, yakking. You don't need it. Yeah, not yeah. really. I mean, sir. You know who I, I watch? You catch in Chronos again too. I I love John Cater. John Cater was wonderful. And what a oh, lovely great. man. He was such a bri- he was such a versatile actor and he was so good in that. And he brings a lot of humor, doesn't he? When we're when we're oh, he's funny, but he's there's something very warm about pathos, him in the movie. You really very, like him. Very, very warm. Yeah. He's very likable. Yeah. That's the thing. He's incredibly likable. So yeah, and, and then you That's, had it's a um, wonderful scene, the scene in the in the tavern where the three guys say mean say something mean to, to Gross. They talk about his his um, figurehead yes, or whatever. The, the, the yes, hunchback. The and, yeah, and 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 the way that Kronos stands up for Gross in that scene. And, I and, know. But then there's a scene after where John Cater's character, where the Gross character, is sort of hurt by what they've said. And it's a very touching scene to see in a it's in a, a kind beautiful of scene. We see a lot of that, and they do it yeah. so well. I mean, he's he's see yeah. he's very oh he's so grateful to to Cronus. He's so isn't he? That why did you do that? Why did you do that yeah. for me? And yet and yet you see it. It's beautifully beautifully delivered, isn't it? Between both of them, actually, I think. Oh, it's lovely. I think Horse did a really yeah. fabulous job too. Wonderful. I mean, it was a it was a yeah, beautiful film, and I'm so pleased that people like it now because I really stand by it, and I it's one of my favorites yeah, that I, I think worked on. It really has endured, and I mean, they've made comic books and stuff of it since, mm. and it's it's great that it's found the audience that it didn't find right away. I mean, it's always yes, exactly. I think it's always disappointing for when you make a film and it doesn't land immediately, but to know that it it finds an audience later is a redemption in that to know that I it think didn't happen. So. I, like I would be did. sad yeah. that the Carreras, um, Michael and uh, Sir James didn't see it in its, you know, hopefully it started to do all right. But but obviously they didn't get to see it because they sadly passed away. So that, it's sad that. But And Brian got to see it, though. 
Brian Clements did, and he felt, you know, vilified that the fact that he was on the right track, that he'd written a really beautiful piece of work and directed it beautifully. So I think he he felt, um, you know, I think I think that would be brilliant for a a, a remake. Um, yeah, oh yeah, I totally. think that would be so right because it was it, ahead of its time then. I it think was that's so part of ahead why of people time. didn't get it. No, they just didn't yeah. get it, but they did make a comic book of it. And my character, Carl, yeah. it was a German comic book, some comic book they made. And my character was in, went down on and on in it. I thought, wow, that's great. You know, it would be nice at that. Yeah. Because the idea was to maybe do a, whether I would have been in it, I don't know. But the idea was, the, the idea Cronus meant time traveler. And then he was maybe going to travel again and, you know, be a, the vampire hunter that kept on hunting vampires. That was the whole idea, I think, of the film. But yeah. Sadly, well, he kind of ditches you at the end of the film. I was like, no, take her with you. So mean, <laughs> wasn't it? I know. That was so mean. Yeah. How could he? You know. So harsh. Yeah, like, oh it's very harsh having, you know, with, yeah. But she put leeches her. on your back. Take her with she you. She did. I'm yeah. sorry. She's, she's, yes, exactly. You, and then, yes, no, it wasn't, wasn't very gentlemanly, was it? No, not at I all. Don't think so. Now, speaking of not very gentlemanly, let's yeah. talk a bit about Maniac. <laughs> oh, Maniac! That's a yeah. film where, yeah, Maniac is. You know, Maniac to me is such a, an interesting film in your filmography because mm. you you've done a lot of genre projects, pardon me, but they were mm. mostly had a fantasy element, a vampire yes. or something. Yes. Maniac is very gritty and grisly, and it is very grisly and raw and dark. Yeah. Um, and very well, I I thought very well made considering it was a, a small budget. You know, I think they did re- and shot in New York. Tiny budget, shot right? in your tiny yeah. budget, tiny budget. Um, shot in New York, so I think they did an amazing job. That was Bill's Bill's idea. Now, how did you become involved in the in the project, Carolyn? It's funny with, because with I was shooting in New York and you being in, in um, the UK. Uh, we 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 Joe and I'd worked together in uh, on. Uh, Star Crash, even though we had no dialogue together, yes. he played our evil Zarth. What was it? Evil Zarth Arn. Yeah, evil Count Zarth Arn. That's it. He played the character. Um, so we got on really well during the filming of that. And then I happened to be in New York. I'd been invited to a Fangoria show in New York. And Joe was there. I didn't know, but Joe was there. And Bill was there. And Andrew, Andy Garoni, who was a producer, was there. And they were going to be shooting this film and they were telling me all about it, this film Maniac. But their lead actress, Daria Nicolodi, was, who was married to Dario Argento, was Dario Argento. Um, yeah. uh, unavailable because she was still shooting a film with Dario. So um, she wasn't going to be available. And they were shooting on Monday. And it was about Friday at oh, that geez. point when I arrived in Um and they were talking, and we and we did the Q and A and blah blah, talking about Star Crash and stuff. And then and then, uh, Joe and Bill both said, "Well, how would you like to be in our film?" I said, "I said what?" He said, "Well, how would you like to be in the Maniac film? Because we're looking for a European. I mean, Dario was um, Italian. He said you could look Italian, but you're European anyway, and you know." So, so would you would you like to be? And I said, well, I really don't know. I need to get back to England. I've got stuff to do back there. They said, well, read the script. And that night, um, Bill took me down to Forty Second Street and showed me Halloween. 
he said, I want to show you the type of film we're making. Because I'd never seen a, you know, as as you say, the hammer. I'd never seen a slasher, never seen a slasher. And then I saw Halloween and my eyes were on stalks. I thought, wow, this is something really different. He said, well, we want to, you know, this is the kind of genre we're looking at. What do you think? I said, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what I think. They said, well, take the script, read it. So I read the script overnight. Um, and I quite liked the, the character. You know, I thought she's different. You know, she's and she she doesn't seem to partake in any of the <laughs> the business that's going to happen. The hard no, she's the savvy. Business. She's a bit yeah. savvy. She's, she's a savvy. bit savvy. She's not what she. Yeah. You know, she's she's yeah, she's her own woman. I think she's an independent woman. She's Maybe a, a little woman. naive when she lets some stranger into her apartment. Uh, <laughs> well, that is very naive. But but the, the thing yeah. was, some of the scenes that we did shoot, which made more sense of her character and his as mates, you know, as friends, um, were lost on the cutting room floor. Genuinely. So oh, Bill okay. said, we can't get them back. Right. You know, we can't shoot them again. This was after the fact, after I'd gone back to England, and obviously it was a small budget. Right. So therefore it would have made slightly more sense of, of Anna D'Antoni's character. But um, Okay. Uh, so, yeah, she, she was a bit gullible, I suppose. But the first scene we did was in the in the – when we were eating, the first, so I read the script basically, and I agreed to do it. I thought, yeah, it's something different, and I, I would get to work in an American crew. I loved Joe, so I'd get to work with Joe again. I felt safe with Joe. I liked Bill. Bill Lustig seemed really good. Seemed to know exactly what he wanted, what he was doing. Um, so I agreed to do it. I literally slept on the script that night. Literally read it, slept on it again, and then we were shooting in New Jersey for the um, clams. What is it? The it, it, we were doing the eating scene, basically. That was the first scene we yes. shot. And yeah. again, it was yeah. very ad lib because I hadn't had time to. Yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, it was. I think it was cheesecake. You guys were eating in a restaurant. I think it together, was something right? we were eating. Yeah, but I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was clams or something like. God, I can't remember. Isn't that sad? It started. Anyway, I, I remember. I think some of the scenes cut though, because if you watch it. What ends up in the yeah, film? Yeah, I think it's some of it's it shows cut. you guys sort of wrapping up the main course, and then you guys start eating cheesecake. Yeah, we're eating cheesecake after the fact. No, I think you're right. Cheesecake yeah. after the fact. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we did. And again, it was very loose. The dialogue was loose because I hadn't really had time to study it because I was working the next. You know, I had to be on set the next day, so it was kind of loose. Yeah. And I said, "Is that all right?" She said, "Yes, that's fine." He said, "We're just chatting." I said, that, you know, we're just chatting. So so it kind of flowed quite well. I thought, actually, I'm liking this because it's, you know, we both, we came at it. We were asking each other what we did. And, you know, he was asking me, a photographer, and what he did. Oh, this and that. I do this and that. I thought, well, oh, okay. Um, little did I know. <laughs> but so that was that was. Did good. you, when you read this script, were you at all concerned? Like, did you ask Bill, like, how are you going to do Because I can't only imagine. I mean, there's some very grisly scenes in the film. Some very grisly scenes. Prostitutes getting killed and yeah. yes, yeah. I hadn't realized <laughs> how graphic it would be actually on screen. 
I hadn't. Yes, I'd read right. the script, but it wasn't. It was kind of, again, quite loose. The script was quite loose in the, you know, it said, and now he does it. But it wasn't, it wasn't, oh, he's going to do this and he's going to do that and blow her head off. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that written. Yeah. So it was implied more than said. And I think Tom Savini really went to town on the special effects. Oh, did he especially ever? Especially insofar yeah, as blowing his ever. own head off. In. He certainly did. Yeah. It, it, it was banned for many, yeah. many years in Germany. I mean, uh, I remember yes, going to the premiere. The poster alone is intense. Poster, yes, that poster yeah. with the, the with the with the jeans and the head and the woof. I know. So so knife by the crotch. And, knife yeah. by the crotch, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yes, and wearing the blue yeah. jeans. And, yeah. Yes, I've signed many of those posters. <laughs> um, I bet. <laughs> yeah. So it's a very iconic poster, it really. Was, I mean, it's very. It is. It's a. If you like that sort of thing, it's really good poster. Yeah. But um, I didn't really, I didn't see it till I came over for the premiere. He brought me back over a few months, well, quite a few months later when it was ready to show. <laughs> I have to think when you were watching it for the first time, were you like, oh my goodness, this is very Yes, yes very I didn't graphic. expect, I didn't yeah. expect, I did not expect it because I had been there for a night shoot when Tom was doing something, but, it, but, but I'd never seen any of those graphic scenes because I wasn't involved with them. You know, I, I just wasn't. Yes, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was, a, it was it was a bit of a shock. I must say, I thought, wow, they, they, he did it so well. It was <laughs> so, for the time, it was so shocking and so well done. And the music and the way they do some of the helicopter scenes and you've got the jarring of the, you know, you can actually feel the yeah. jarring of the helicopter moving along and you've got these very, Jay Chataway, I think, was the music. As far as I remember, Jay yes, Chatterway. Right. Yeah, Jay Chatterway. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. it was a fantastic score. So it all it had that gritty New York feeling. So it was um, a lot of it shot on Forty Second Street. My stuff was shot in. Well, Central and that Park. this the song that's playing when you're doing the photo shoot always yeah. sticks in my head. Going to a to a, going to a showdown. I think going is the song. to a show. Yes, um, exactly. It's so weird, wasn't it? And then I had to. I did a lot of the photography. I took a lot of the pictures. <laughs> It's so, that's interesting. Yeah, I suppose it does mine too. Yeah, I don't um, know why. I, I, I shot a lot of the pictures yeah. of the girls. It is quite catchy. It's very incongruous again, yeah. isn't it, with the whatever's going yeah. on. <laughs> um, yes. And then I'm directing the girls, which, you know, I, I haven't done, but I've, I've had it done a lot to me with the photographer directing the girls. So that was yes. kind of interesting to direct the girls around and, um, uh, and and then I I took the pictures in and I I, I put took them in the dark room so they actually used the pictures that I'd shot of the girls which was quite interesting and then there's the one scene I do remember um, when Joe comes to the the loft he comes to to the photographic you know comes to me at the shoot with the teddy and, bear right yes which I didn't know that was Joe that was pure oh. Joe he just came. And then I didn't even know. I, I had a feeling that he was going to come. You know, the, the, um, Bill said, oh, he might turn up in the set, but keep on doing what you're doing. So I did. I kept on shooting with the girls and getting them to move around, and I was shooting the camera. And then and then I heard him, he, he, oh, I heard him call my name, um, Anna. When I remember turning around and the camera was behind me. And then he, he threw the teddy bear at me, which I caught. 
and and that was totally not um, planned. You know, it was just scripted, just yeah, like that. right. And that was obviously Bill and Joe's idea. So so it was it was good. I still have the teddy bear. I still have it. Oh, do you really? Yeah, I still do. So yeah. But he and was that amazing was the, to you, work with. Joe, that was your second time working with him, but then the, you guys did the last horror film together. But he always yes. seemed to me uh, that he, was he an eccentric man? I always got to go He was very he eccentric. Like eccentric he was very, very eccentric. He was kind of, he was quite a wild man, but also very intelligent and very caring. You know, he was not like his character, but he was quite wild. You know, he was yeah. quite, he he would yeah. push the boundaries. I think you know. I think he would stay up late at night. Um, so yeah, when we got to do the last horror film, he was um, he was quite um, he was delighted because they wrote it especially around him, his character. He came up with an idea to to be this the fan of Jana Bates, um, and and I think. Um, uh, it was an interesting concept. Again, I think it wasn't very well received at the time. Um, it, it, it was very ambitious because it was all shot on on location, for one thing, all shot in Cannes during the festival, which I told you, during the film festival, which was a mad time to yeah. do it. Because Cannes, Cannes at that yeah, have you ever been to Cannes in film festival time? No, I haven't, but I'm... Oh, wow. It's... It, it, it's busy quite place. Manic. It's a very busy, very yeah. busy place with a lot of very ambitious people there trying to sell the films and trying to, you know, get films made and stuff. So we were we were in the middle of that melee. So it was kind of quite um, uh, an interesting shoot to do. But again, yeah, I, I was working with Joe, and the script would change almost daily. They'd write in new scenes to do, you know. That so we never quite knew what to expect it was um uh very ever changing you had david winters was a director an american director um so it was very very much ever changing really so you had to be really on your you know know what you were doing and and the crew um they did shoot late at night sometimes and then i was so exhausted because the days were very long for me um, and they were quite exhausting, really. But it was interesting how it got made. And I, lo I look at it. I, In fact, I had to do the um, talk about it. It was um, with Alan Jones, a chap over here. They're, they're, they're showing the film. They're re-releasing the film. They're showing that film. Like a commentary track? Yes, I had to do a commentary track. So I got to see it again. And actually, in fact, it's not a bad film for all the you know, for all the trouble no. and all the, you know, it, it's not yeah. too bad. It's kind of got a lot of good production value, great production value, because it looked Joe's great, great in it, too. I mean, he was really fun. And well, he is the film. You know, he is the film. He's, yes. he's superb in it. Yeah. He really is. He holds the yeah. film. It's his film. Um, and he should be so proud. Yeah. Well, he would have been. He was very proud of that film. He did a brilliant job. But I want to talk quickly about Slaughter High before I let you go. Oh, Slaughter High. It's the oh. first movie I saw you in, the Slaughter High. Really? And I was young when I saw it. How, how yes. old were you? Slaughter High was... Mid in 80-something, I think. Uh, I was probably 10 when I saw Slaughter High. You were very young to see it again, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Probably shouldn't oh, no. have been allowed to see it, yeah. It was, my husband came up with the idea it, um, for the the concept because they he he'd worked 
with um, Steve Manation and Dick Randall before, and they wanted to make a, a feature, and they they kind of came up with the film, and George uh, co-directed it with his partner, Peter Litton, but they kind of co-directed, which was interesting, and Peter did all the special effects in that, which I think were very good. Okay. You know, they were quite good. Oh, my gosh, yeah, done. they were awesome. They were good, weren't they? Really? I mean, it very is a good. bit very far-fetched good. to think, I think I was the oldest, <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, lady on the on the set. So it was kind of interesting. Well, I mean, it's funny when a lot you of American... the opening when you're meant to, you're meant to play a high school student. High school, and I'm like, I know, slightly far-fetched. <laughs> yes, exactly. Far, but it's kind slightly. of fun. It's all part of it. It's, it's sort of a silly of movie in a way. And I think it's, it, it's yeah, quite, it is part of the fun. It is part of the fun. I mean, it is very far-fetched. Um, and a lot of the um, cast were American, so we kind of had to do our, you know, try our bit to do the American. It was meant to be set in the States. The whole idea, it was going to be yes. filmed in the States, but they didn't have the budget, so we did it in England, all shot in England. Right. Um, uh, so, yeah, it was it was interesting working with George as a director because people didn't know that we were together, which was an interesting thing. They did. They oh, were did. you guys together before we you made the film? Oh, yes, yes. We've been together oh, a while. I thought you met on the film. No, okay. no, no, okay. no. We met on uh, We met on um, the other film, um, The Fanatic. We met on that film. But we did. Okay. But, but this by this film, we were together. So, um, okay. Yeah. No, it was strange because people didn't know and, and we didn't want it known. We thought, no, it's better. So he was mean to me on the set. Where's everybody else? He said, he said, no. He said, come on, you need to do it again. I said, what? He said, you need to do it again. You're not not, not getting it from you. So I thought, okay, <laughs> which is very strange. But and then you'd good. finish shooting right. and you'd say, why were you mean to me today? Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't even mention it. I thought, no, okay, that's the point. You know, I don't think I was on it. So he was yeah, right. Yeah. You know, he was, he was yeah. a good director. He was really good. And I enjoyed working with him despite well, him being me. Where did you shoot the movie? We shot it all it was, in it England. Shot in, a, like- in London. And then outside of London, we went to, um, it's where we shot the Adam Ant video. It was, um, it had been a, okay. a, a mental asylum at it was one a, point. A hospital or something, right? Yes, yeah, it was. Right. A, it was. Yeah. A, it was. It was. That's what it was. It had been used really as a sanatorium for uh, people not well. Uh, so we shot it there. Some of the stuff outside, but in the school, that was that was all filmed in the centre of London, which is no longer a school, but the building is still there. There's offices now, so it was all shot there. So it, you know, the, and then we shot a bit outside. Um, in Wentworth. So it was kind of, yeah, most okay. of it was shot in and around London. So they did a really good job for for, for what it was, I think. Um, and again, it's game. Well, I like watching. In- oh, yeah. I mean, I saw it as a young kid and it's one <laughs> of those movies I have great affection for because I hadn't yeah. seen a lot of slasher films at that point. I had no. watched some Freddy or Jason. It's quite slashery, stuff, right? isn't it? Yeah. It's oh, got, yeah. It's, it's I love, there's, these- there's a certain... Well, there's a fun thing where like people do things in that movie that where you're like, no one would ever do that. And that's part of the fun of it. Like they see their friend's stomach explode out and the girl goes off by herself and takes a bath afterwards. I'm like, no one would do that. But as if having seen that happen. I mean, yes, very, very strange. But yeah, that's true. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's part of the fun of that genre, though, I think, is that people have to do silly things so they can go yes, off and get to make up, it. You know? Yes. And the ending is very yeah. bizarre because you don't really know what happens in the ending, do you? It's all a bit strange. No, I it's watched kind of, it. It doesn't I was like, kind so of make is it all sense. in his head? Well, this is the thing. Yeah. You're not quite sure. You're not quite sure. I'm not quite yeah. sure. I don't know if George was sure. I mean, they were going to shoot two endings, <laughs> but basically the budget had run out at that point. Um, and Jane's husband's right. in that. Jane's yeah, Jane's Jane's husband was in in that film. He played a um, oh really a, a, a basketball player, I think, in that. So he walks along, you know, as a, yeah, he's he's in one of the scenes. So oh, that's fine. So it's kind of a family affair. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of a big ensemble cast. Did everybody get on well and have fun on we that? We all shoot? got on like really really well. Shoot. We did, um, and I I know that when we go to the states. Um, if we if we do um, conventions in the states, and if I've got a couple of um, pictures from it, or people bring me the the slaughter high things yeah. to sign, I I say, well, do you like the film? And they always say, yeah. They say we love it so much. I say, why do you like it? And and they said because it's so cheesy. <laughs> I said what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They said he said it's just so cheesy. We love it. I said oh that's great. <laughs> yeah. So it it's is a laugh. A really it's a good time. It's you know? a laugh. It's there's a good there's time. moments. It's meant like, to be tongue in cheek. By the way, where, the boys the boys did. Oh, I, shoot I it could tell that. that. You can tell that. I'm hoping people don't think they did it seriously because yeah. the the whole I idea was meant that, to yeah. be. I mean, there's there's like the part where. You know, and it was your husband who gave you this direction. Not he I did. guess you guys weren't married at the time, though, right? You were just, <laughs> we weren't married at the time. I remember there's the scene toward the end of the film where you have the spear and you like throw it down to the killer. And I was like, why are you giving him the spear? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Don't why give would him you the weapon? do that? I mean, really? Yeah. And that was, do you remember yeah, the scene so with, funny. you don't remember the scene with my little dog in it? My little Yorkshire Terrier. There's a scene in the flat where the is, agent's it, phoning. With the crazy bed? With the head that has lights Yeah, in with it? a crazy bed. And then there's the my little doggy. Yeah, That's yeah. the best bit in it for me because I've got my little dog there. Was that your own dog at the <laughs> yes, time? Yes, my real dog, yes. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that's so my So you've got him immortalized on film there. Yes, or family <laughs> yeah. affair. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. that's great. And it's, oh. it's funny because it's like... It's one of those movies too, where I think people now get together as a group and watch it, and you can laugh and have fun with it. And it's exactly have your popcorn and your whatever you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I know that's. um, I can't remember the actor's name. Simon Scudamore. Scudamore. Yes, Scudamore. Yeah. Yes, he passed her after shooting the film, didn't he? He did. He did. He did not so long after, and I think it was we were devastated to hear it because he was he was great he was so good in it and I think he could have done so much more stuff he really was he was young um and I know George and Peter his uh, George's partner went to see his mum you know when they heard about it um and I think they actually they went to the funeral I didn't go but they went to the funeral right but um it was very unexpected I mean nobody expected it yeah and and I I think I don't know I don't quite know what happened there other than I think there was a, a few problems you know I think he had a few problems but he was a great actor he had terrific promise you know he could yeah. have done so much more and I'm sad he didn't actually get to see it you know come to fruition and enjoy yeah. oh he never got to see people, the film never got to see it as far as I know never got to see it no okay 
Because it wasn't too long after. Yeah, it's funny because it, it's a film that Slaughter High has endured, and people mm. it's part of their playlist of fun slasher films. That's yeah. got to be nice for you, and because you made it with it your is husband, nice. and, and it was so good for my husband. Yeah, yeah, he enjoyed that. He liked because we did the um, not so long before my husband died. We did a the commentary about about Slaughter High, and that was yes. nice with his business partner at the time. So we did that together, and that was really nice we did that. That's so, great. And it made George happy. You know, it was, it was good to see his film, yeah. that people actually enjoyed it. And and people would give me things yeah. for him to sign, and I'd take it for him to sign, and he signed it for, for people. So that was, that was yeah, that that's was good. That's awesome. At least he got to see something good. That well, was great. Mm. I think that's nice. I mean, it, and it was something you guys made together, and now it it's was made it together. Have it in their collections. We and, did. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's we great. did. Yeah, yeah. Happy well, memories. So, Carol, I want to ask: Do you have any new projects yeah. on the horizon? Like, what's what's next for Carol? Uh, well, I'm busy doing talking pictures, which is in still. Um, we just do that every Friday night, and it's on the television every Friday night. It's called the Cellar Club, and um, we show all the Hammer films. You call the audience cellar dwellers, right? We cellar dwellers. That's right. Hello, cellar dwellers. Yeah, Good evening. Yeah. And uh, it's at nine so p.m. So here's a funny story. This podcast was almost called the Cellar Dwellers Podcast. That was almost no. the name. Of the show. Oh, and that's funny. It ended up with wow, the title. That's it has, amazing. But that's almost Probably. what it was called. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, so, so you're that, working on that. And do you have any film projects you're looking possibly, at? Possibly. I'm meeting a director with Jane next week. Aren't we meeting somebody next week with a? with a possible interesting film. It sounds quite interesting to me. So um, there's that. And I'm still reading the one that I've got from, you know, the possibly Ian Ogilvie one, which I haven't finished reading because it's a lot, a lot for me to read. Yeah. And I'm quite a slow reader, really. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So there's various right there. things, there you know, various things where we've got a few, few things on the go, haven't we? Yeah, and I want. Poker's in the fire. I'm I'm up for working. You know, I'm I'm up for film work or yeah, definitely. I'd love to work over there again. I'd love to, you know, love to work over in Canada or the states. Next thing I do, I'll have to call you and we'll have to. Yes, give me a call. I'm here. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, I I would be so honored. Um, Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me today. I've really it's enjoyed just going you. through your work and I'm such a fan. So You're so knowledgeable. Your your knowledge is, it's made my brain, My I'm not going to sleep now. My brain is spinning. It's kind of <laughs> spinning with your knowledge. I think, wow. <laughs> you know, got this old brain going, which it's, is great. Mm. <laughs> well, it's so fun because you know you you I, I I grew up with a lot of these films and 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 I, over time I've gotten to meet different filmmakers and actors that who had, whose work I admire. But but had I not met you at that convention because you're over in the UK, we probably yeah. wouldn't have had the chance to do. We this. might so not have done, really might pretty. we? No. Well, it's a good yeah. meeting, and I'm yeah, really it's... yeah really pleased. Oh. Well, so. I can't thank you enough, and and I no, hope it's my pleasure. Whatever you end up doing next. When Thank when it's, the time comes, you know, well, maybe we can bring you back and talk about yeah, whatever exactly. the, the project is. That yeah, you, no, that I'd love do, it. So.
You've been listening to Kevin Lane Spill Your Guts with host and filmmaker Kevin Lane. Kevin Lane Spill Your Guts was created by Kevin Lane, produced by Jason Hill, and co-produced by Felipe Ojeda. The Spill Your Guts theme and incidental music was created by composer Mike Hatton. Original artwork and design elements generously produced by Matthew Terrian. Spill Your Guts is only made possible by the support of listeners like you. And the most important thing you can do to ensure that these amazing interviews keep coming is to simply get the word out. You can find us on Facebook by searching Kevin Lane Spill Your Guts, Instagram at, all one word, Spill Your Guts underscore podcast, and Twitter at Spill Your Guts underscore one, as in the number one. Post, comment, share, like. But don't forget, the good old-fashioned word of mouth still goes a long way. The best way you can support what we do is to just tell people about us. Friends, family, co-workers, whomever. Anyone with a pair of ears and a taste for guts. This has been Kevin Lane's Spill Your Guts. Thanks for listening.